I feel like 21st century business, we haven't stopped for a moment and gone, what's my unique offering? And yes, you might offer a better product or service. Yes, you're probably really good at targeting your audience and communicating your benefits. But if you take a step back and go, what's unique about me? What's something this person can only get from me? It's you. It's your personality. Hi, this is Dan Rao, founder and brand strategist at DSR Branding. And you're listening to DSR Branding Presents. Join me as I interview brilliant business leaders on branding, marketing, design, and good business principles. These are people who think differently and have commercialized their creativity to do something remarkable. This episode is on making brands fun, finding your unique value, and the importance of great marketing with tech entrepreneur and motivational speaker, Johnny Shannon. Johnny is the CEO of Gamify, a marketing company that develops video games for some of the world's biggest brands. He's also Australia's most requested speaker for schools, with talks on cyber safety, bullying, and mental health. Johnny's done over 3,000 presentations to over 370 schools and was recently awarded Australian Motivational Speaker of the Year. In this epic two-hour episode, we cover his favourite brand, what makes Elon Musk the most interesting person in the world, appearing on Shark Tank, his background in sales and making 100 calls a day, building a billion-dollar company, surprising and delighting clients, dealing with bullying, overcoming objections in the sales process, and why marketing is so important. I had such a good time chatting with Johnny. He is an incredible guy doing brilliant work in a number of fields, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. Well, Johnny, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Well, thanks for having me. Mate, we kick things off the same way uh, with a simple icebreaker. So, what's your favorite brand and why? Uh, great question. I would say uh, Red Bull. Red Bull and <laughs> the reason is, is <laughs> I don't even like the taste of the product, but I still <laughs> buy them. And I hate myself when I buy them, but somehow they've created such a brand experience that, um, you know, that I just keep going back. I think about stuff like, um, you know, far back in the day. Uh, far back in the day, I'd go to like different concerts and things like, have you ever been to Big Day Out? Yeah, yeah. I used to go to Big Day Out when I was here. Yeah, like stuff like that. They would be constantly giving out free Red Bull. And they, they were a brand that's obsessed with linking a product or a service to a feeling. Mm. And I think you think about all the events they've done, all the nightclubs. Uh, they're, they're constantly trying to make it so when you have that taste of that drink, it brings you back to those, those feelings, those emotions, those experiences. And there's, nothing, there's no other product in my life that I, I use and I go, yeah, that brings me back to a, a, an, a place that causes emotion or, or feelings. And I think if you can do that as a product or a service, invoke an emotion, um, you're doing pretty well. Case in point, I don't even like it and I still buy it. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> such a brilliant example. I think I'm, I'm with you. It's, um, it's not a product that I'd uh, go out and, and buy a lot of. Um, but I can think of the times that I have had it. I mean, in, in Australia, where, where uh, I am in um, Brisbane, there was a Red Bull yes. car that would drive around to parties on the weekend. Yes. Uh, and it was yes. hilarious. Like, you'd just be, you'd be at a house party and then in, enroll the Red Bull girls. And it's like, what? What are yes. you doing here? And then everyone would like, <laughs> you know, just, just start smashing sort of vodka Red Bulls and stuff like that. But it's, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Like, a- it's just a weird thing to do. Like, no, you know, not many brands would just go out there and, spend you know because it would have cost them heaps of money to do that to, oh, have, huge. to have people on you know either on like a retainer or you know on a wage to just drive around to different parties that they find out about like it's hilarious 
It's, it's gen- and um, not only that, they used to have, in New Zealand, they used to have a call line that you could actually call up about your event. And just like you said, they would just rock up. So I used to do these um, big youth group events, you know, 1,000 plus students for these big camps. And um, I called them up one time and said, hey, we're doing this big thing. They literally arrived with a crate. It was an entire car. It must have been 2,000 Red Bulls. Yeah. And the parents weren't happy. <laughs> but it was hilarious to be like, man, these guys literally just rocked up at a camp and gave away free product. But then you think about it. How many other brands are spending countless amounts of money on different marketing things when they actually just could be giving their actual product out, something mm. that costs them little to nothing yeah. and be getting a, a better return? Yeah, I think that's a great, yeah, it's a great point. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember them going to unis as well and trying to give it out as like, yeah. oh, this is a study aid. And like, mate, like, who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to probably... sit still in the lecture after drinking that. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to hate me because I've actually just did, um, just did a big campaign with V Energy Drink with Gamify. Oh. And um, that was actually one of our video games. So when you bought the V, you'd scan it, you'd, um, this game would pop up on your phone instantly and actually um it would be like a endless runner type of game very action-based and then every 30 seconds it would stop and ask you a question and it would be like you know how long does the energy last you know in your system with v and then if you got it right you continued with the game and so we're trying to mix an action game with uh you know an education slash study game and so new games would get pushed to your phone every week from um spelling quizzes to you know, Sudoku to a whole bunch of stuff. But um, that's what they wanted to pump. They wanted to pump this idea of like, no, no, it's a, it's a good study thing. That's cool. That's great. I love it. But um, V was very big back in the day. Um, it's not as big as, no, no, it is big in, yeah, yeah, big in Australia as well. I mean, I, I should. V, v is yeah, pretty big, yeah. I, I think it's. I think V is Coca-Cola. I think it's sold. It? I'm about to say, I think, yeah, V sold oh, more yeah. in New Zealand and Australia than I think Red Bull. Mm. They're just not as big internationally. Um, but V started with a guy, I think it was in New Zealand who, again, he actually started as a study aide. So he was going through uni and, um, made this concoction to um, keep him up at night to study. And then, um, I don't think he even finished his degree. I think he was studying law or something, but he didn't even finish his degree. <laughs> he just made more money on the V campaign. I, I think like, yeah. I like those ones in the sense that they're only sort of 200 to 250 mils. Uh, I think it was like yeah. mother and they came out in Australia and it was like yes. 500 mil can. It's like, <laughs> man, like that is, yeah. that is way That's too much. Thing. Well, remember when those small ones came out though? I mean, that was just genius marketing in general, wasn't it? Cause it was just different. Yeah. It was like, Oh wow. Why is it so small? And mm. then, you know, I remember, um, Red Bull back in the day was pumping these ads, particularly in New Zealand, saying that like it was too much energy for a normal can. Yeah. And so it makes you think like, oh, is it that bad for you? And then you get a little bit, wow, this is this like a supercharged drink. I mean, classic case in point, I think they're still ba- banned in 16 countries. When they first came out, they were illegal in some countries. Yeah. Um, you that know, you can even cross the think, border with them. I think that helps <laughs> for the, the type of market that they're going for. But, um, I think so. <laughs> live on the yeah. edge. I, yeah. I think stay, stay back on Red Bull, like some of the stuff and the stunts that they've done. I mean, some of the best like snowboarding DVDs were produced or, or yes. you know, um, yeah. financed by Red Bull. I mean, they had that dude jump out of space. That's it. <laughs> like, that's it. Well, one of the key hires early on, I shouldn't say early on, but, you know, one of the things that's really pumped in the last 10 years is um, – one of their um, key head executives was actually ran marketing companies before he came on board. Mm. So that's when it started to take a big shift in promoting sports events. And we sort of forget that they're actually two separate companies. They're an energy company and they're a a marketing company that does sport events. So they actually Mm. make money through all these events, but genius partnership 
because they figured out, hey, we've got this product, but to do it, we need to build our own publicity and marketing company. And then they started doing huge events and charging those out as well. Genius. My personal passion is when companies can figure out how to either start companies or partner with other companies that help each other. Yeah, that's you know, cool. almost like a Jewish community when like, you know, you, you, they, they're all within the same umbrella. I help you, you help me. And there's a unique partnership inside of that. I love that. And it's something that I've, I've seen, you know, I, I'm noticing more and I'm paying attention to these sort of brand collaborations or, or part, strategic partnerships. And yeah. I sort of think like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing when it does happen. And we get very competitive as marketers or as brands. And we try to say it's, oh, we're, we're the only one. We're exclusive. We're unique. And, and we don't want to really mix or, or you know, play, play yeah. in the sandbox with anyone. But I think when you've yeah. got comp, you know, products that complement each other or even just like products that um, appeal to the same audience group, you know, it's not like you're going to have yeah. to. Yeah. Like I, I just think there's some really smart sort of partnerships out there. What, what are some of your favorite ones that you've seen? Uh, the, the most recent one by far would be um, – uh, one that Elon Musk did with Tesla. So he <laughs> he partnered up with um, n- number one. I got to say, from a privilege point of view, he he's like, in, in my opinion, he is the most interesting man in the world currently. Yeah. Apart from maybe the Dosakis guy, <laughs> the old um, <laughs> the the double X like beer company. I think yeah, that yeah. brand campaign was fascinating. Yeah, that for for le- legitimately being the most interesting man in the world, I think that would uh, the award would go to Elon Musk. But he was famous back in the day for saying. And he's publicly said this, I think it's on Twitter and some other um, platforms, that he refuses to, quote unquote, spend money on advertisement. But I think that's the traditional sense, as in Mm. he doesn't spend huge money on necessarily Google. I actually think they have started doing it anyways. But back in the day, he didn't spend much money on social media or Google. The flip side was you've got the CEO who's just a marketing machine. He's, He's like a you know, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian type of figure where he's always in the front eye of all the media. I mean, yeah. um, case in point would um, be sending a, <laughs> a ro- was it a roadster into space? Yeah, yeah. And, and you think, okay, let's just say conservatively it costs you like 30 to $50 million to do that. That's all marketing because <laughs> yeah, immediately you're all over Twitter, you're trending, you're getting so much free front page news all around the world. Like you didn't, necessarily pay the advertisers to do that but you did something which would be quote called newsworthy Mm. and i think people like that that figures out hey i can start up tesla oh i can start up the boring company yeah and (laughs) have all these ridiculous products and i can yeah do these batteries and i can make the biggest battery in in the world which i think is um is it adelaide i think so yeah yeah, you know, create the largest battery in the world. I actually went there for a government thing. And um, when you arrive on site, they give you a micro version of how big the battery is. So it's like, you know, the one one of 100,000 times the battery and it's a little keychain that charges your phone. That's cool. But uh, he just does all these ridiculous things. So I sort of think to a certain extent he's stretching the truth by saying he doesn't spend market on ad- money on advertisement because all those little things is advertisement, giving yeah. away a free keychain. Yeah. I'm not talking about it on a podcast. It's all those little things that I think the guy's genius. But when it comes to the partnership side of things, he does very strategic things with inside his own community with his different companies because he owns like, I think it's 17, but four very public ones. He cross-advertises all the time. He creates a lot of drama, but also with other companies. So the most recent one he did was um, with Tesla. Have you heard of a video game called PUBG? No. 
So it's um it's uh, I forget what the acronym for it's like players underground battle. Um, but it's 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 one of the like, top five most played games in the world. You basically got uh, Minecraft, um, like things like World of Warcraft. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Uh, what, what, what was that? Um, Fortnite and then PUBG. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you're, you're talking hundreds of millions of people play this play yep. this game, and he contacted Tencent, which is the China-based company that makes all these video games. And he found out that the average person who buys a Tesla in America is between 37 and 46. And they're males and they have this amount of income. He found out that the average player who plays PUBG is basically within that one year bracket either side. All right. So fascinating research just, you know, because when we think about playing video games, we often think about young people. We sort of forget that, you know, nine out of 10 people play video games. Average Australian plays 90 minutes of video games a day. It's wow. about a 55, 45% split between males and females. Um, so it is at currently the world's most favorite pastime, mm. even more so than sports, soccer, TV. You put them all together. I mean, the video game industry is um, larger than the movie industry and the music industry combined times two. Yeah, wow. So <laughs> it's huge. a very large industry. I think also but like I the do, level of engagement yeah. that you have with it. Like it's so, you know, it's so exactly. massive. Um, well, you think about uh, your average, I mean, I'm going a bit of a tangent here, but I remember um, marking about five years ago, this huge study came out and it found out that people weren't um, changing channels much anymore on TV. Like people were actually starting to re-listen to ads on TV. And it was the first time in history that ad viewership actually went up. Mm. And they found out that all this research they actually found later on, that it wasn't so much that people weren't skipping the ads. It was because we had mobile phones on us now. Yeah. We stopped watching TV and we used the ad break to check our phone. Yeah. I, I was going to ask <laughs> when it, my ears uh, pricked up when you said that people were watching more ads. I'm like, hang on, but we just go to the, like the third screen or the second screen exactly. and just start scrolling so, on our phone. And how bad is it, right? Because oh, people are so paying bad. huge money to be on adverts and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, that viewership got 150 million views. So you had to pay a million dollars for that. Meanwhile, you're like, yeah, you have the viewership, but you don't actually have the attention of the audience. And the thing about video games is you have to interact for the game to work. Like an ad will just play in the background. Um, There's a recent study that came out of America that said that the average American watches 3,000 or sorry, um, views 3,000 to 9,000 ads a day. So that's anything from side blogs that pop up on your screen to adverts on Instagram, Facebook, um, billboard media, side road traffic, people wearing hats with, you know, political views on it. We are exposed to between 3,000 and 9,000 of those ads a day. So we've become hyper, <laughs> um, we've evolved almost to to know how to block all the negative, not mm-hmm. negative stuff out, but stuff that just doesn't influence us yeah. out. And, you know, as a marketer, you probably know this when it comes to, if you're about to buy a red car or like a like a Tesla, you start seeing Teslas everywhere and you think they just popped up. Like, no, yeah. they've been here for years. But now you're thinking about them, your brain's allowing you to process that. Yeah. But that's what traditional advertisement was. How do you grab the attention? These days, though, you've got things like video games, which you actually have a controller. You have a phone. You have a smartphone. And if you don't press a button, the character doesn't move or action doesn't happen. Mm. Then you press a button, you have instant feedback. So you're a part of the ad. And that's the sort of thing that sort of, um, I know, it gets my juices flowing because people like to wrap it right back. People like Elon Musk understand that. I mean, mm. case in point, his Tesla has a huge screen, all the cars, you can play video games in on their screen. 
there's actually a Mario Kart racer, which you actually use the steering wheel to play oh the video God. game. Like, he's genius. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, if someone has to wait 15 minutes to charge their car, they can play a video game. So um, cool. But the most recent one was the one with PUBG. He found out my target audience, you know, marketing 101, where is your audience and how are you going to get their attention? Okay, my audience is playing video games. That's where most of the attention in the world is right now. How do I get their attention? So he gets in contact with Tencent and says, hey, you know how you can, you know, jump in cars in your video game in this, you know, pretty gory war game? Um, how would you like it if we actually uh, reskinned it so all the cars were Teslas? <laughs> and so now in the so, game, yeah. you can run around and literally jump in a Tesla and be shooting up the back and shooting the other characters and all the rest of it. But you're in a Tesla and you think he is getting so much free advertisement from that. And Tencent, they just did a partnership. There was no money exchange. They just thought, yep, that's hilarious. Because um, what Elon Musk did was, hey, your target audience is um, around 35 to 48 or 36 to 48 or what it was. This is the buyer bracket where people have spare cash and money enough to buy a car. But also, if we do the stunt, you're going to get a lot more of your target audience playing your game because they didn't even know this game existed yet. Yeah. So just genius. I mean, not only that, they did some pretty extreme stuff. They... um. They flew a crate down in multiple of the main cities and the three major cities around China. Huge crate flew from the sky on a parachute, opened up, and there's a Tesla in there. So just good. In, just crazy stuff. Again, it didn't cost him much in comparison to how much news he got. Genius. I think that's what I love about the stuff that Elon Musk does. It's just cool. Like you just see it. And you're like <laughs> it's like it's it's just stuff that you'd sit at the pub and talk about with mates, and it's a brand. Like it's it is amazing. It's like there's not many brands like that that you would or companies like that that you would just sit down and like just genuinely want to talk about. Yeah, that you and how much again free advertisement to you. I remember. Um, we've done a bunch of press releases and you know, we, we've got a PR guy that whenever we do something extreme, we'll call up the guy. And I remember the first time I called him like 10 years ago, I said, Hey, what's the key to getting in a press release? And he just said, you just have to be newsworthy, mm. but that's all it is. Yeah. If you do something that's newsworthy, I'll publish it. <laughs> and otherwise what's, what's the other alternative? You got to spend huge money to get on and do some of these things. I mean, case in point, like gamify wouldn't need the money, but I signed up and we jumped on shark tank. We're on, Australia Shark Tank, we end up saying no to the deal. But oh, what's wow. the point? After, I, I, got- I did see a, I saw a screenshot somewhere of that. Um, but I'll have yeah. to um I'll have to <laughs> dig up the episode. Oh mate, it was it was a lot of fun. And again, we just wanted to have fun and show, you know, Australia what we're all about. But um yeah. we thought Shark Tank, so we dressed up in big scuba outfits and um we walked in with bubble machines and I had about four or five um helium remote control sharks that were just floating through the year. <laughs> That's so cool. It was just a lot of fun. And mate, it was great. When we got a lot of got a lot of work out of it. We ended up doing um, some stuff with some of the sharks, like outside of the Shark Tank after the episode finished, and um, worked with some of their marketing companies, mainly Red Balloon. We did a major campaign for them, and it went really well. Oh, cool. But um, it's the thing. It's like, wait. So there's primetime TV. You get in front of your entire, you know, audience that you want to get in front of. Yeah. Like you know, sm- who's my target audience? Small business owners. Okay, mm. how do I get in front of? How do I get the attention of small business owners in Australia? Well, what programs do they watch? What are they into? Okay, well, they probably watch things like Shark Tank. They probably read magazines, you know, like Entrepreneur Today. They probably do this. And so immediately you go, okay, I need to know the people in these industries and I need to talk to them. And don't even go in there with this attitude of like, I've got something to offer, but just ask them questions like, hey, what's something that 
has done really well? What's something that your viewers want to see mm. and see if you can't have a little, like a bit of fun with it. But yeah, I, I loved it. I um, wouldn't change any of those experiences. And I just thought it was a heck of a lot of fun. That's I think the, cool. the YouTube one, I think it's got like 2 million views now and the actual program itself did well. I think they, they estimated there was about 95,000 bucks worth of free advertisement. You go, wow. well, that was worth, you know, a couple of days of your, uh, yeah. and speaking. Yeah. Is it true with Shark Tank that even if they agree to a deal on TV, it's often, they often don't actually go through with it, uh, like an investment? Oh, mate, you don't want to hear the whole, <laughs> let's just, and the reason I didn't say who we met up with afterwards is, um, yeah, yeah. You, you talk to some of them afterwards and, uh, one particular person told me that only one in 14 of the people that this particular person had invested in worked out. Yeah. Wow. Uh, one in 14. But and it, so they, they ask you some grueling questions on stage, but they yeah. ask you a lot of grueling um, questions out of stage. Oh, comp- yeah. Because, I imagine it would have to be so um, so much more due diligence. <laughs> yeah. And, mate, it sounds stint, but people just lie. People just say we're earning this, this money and this and this. And so when we went and saw one, she was like immediately, hey, can I see your financials? And we're really open about it. We're like, hey, we just did, did this and this and this. And this is happening. She's like, that's great. Most people don't even you know, have financials on them. Like they're jumping on TV. So I think you've got to go, like we would have done a deal if the deal was good enough. Mm. But the flip side is, is I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for small businesses where you can get a lot of free advertisement. And if you can figure out, what's your unique proposition? Like, what do you do that's like a little bit of fun? Mm. And, you know, can you have a bit of fun with that? Like for us, um, Gamify is very easy because it's a very fun company. Yeah. So we've done a whole bunch of stuff with like um, video game makers. And um, at the moment, we've got some of our team like joining like PUBG matches, like professional video gaming, just to get our name out there. And there's a bunch of fun things you can do. But whether it's that or another company, you can get your name out there. I do... um, Speaking in schools all around Australia, these days it's about 90, I think it's 92, 93% virtual. Yeah. But when I'm about to go into a town, I'll call up the local paper and be like, hey, I'd speak about bullying. These 20 local schools in Tasmania just called me up to do a bullying seminar. Um, you know, the government's paying for this um, community event center to happen. I just want to let all the parents know. And immediately, three people call you up. You're on three radio stations. You're talking about bullying and all the different issues. And you make it. Like you make it a deal. You just go, mm. I'm going to go hundred percent into this thing. You're not just yeah. going to show up, do your thing and walk off. You go, no, I'm going to, I really want to make sure the whole community knows about this. And there's a bunch of free advertisement you can do. There's news agencies and, you know, and papers that they're looking for material. Yeah. And so even if you're a, I don't know, I feel like, give me a random example. What's a random company you can think of off the top of your head? <laughs> um, uh, a coffee roaster. Okay, coffee roasted, fantastic. Yeah, again, fantastic idea. Why don't you, you could do a thing like Red Bull, where you literally go down to the local um, rugby team or a major, like a major rugby event, and you go, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. It's going to cost me a thousand bucks worth of time and coffee. I'm going to give out free coffee at these major rugby events, and you literally call up some local paper and you say, hey, this local guy is supporting his local team because he's so obsessed with his team. Well, you've just been in this paper that probably would have cost five grand worth of advertisement and you did it for a thousand bucks. So that's an immediate return on your investment. Yeah. Um, we did a coffee shop a little while ago where uh, this local coffee shop, I was finding it a little bit hard to get traffic. So we put little QR codes on their, um, on their coffee cups and you could scan it and you immediately played this game where you had to match up the coffee, almost like um, what's it called? Fruit Ninja. Oh, Not yeah, Fruit Ninja. Yeah, yeah. Um, match. Oh, one of those games. <laughs> Too many games. But again, the, um, 
the leader went on one of those ticker boards yep. in the coffee shop. And once a week, the leader of the coffee shop would get a free coffee. So it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a grand big that they deal. Away or anything like exactly. That. Yeah. yeah. It was a coffee that probably cost them 50 cents to a dollar and yeah. probably sells for five or $6. But it wasn't the point. The point was that you were the winner of that week and your name went on a ticker board. Mm. And like their coffee, their, their stuff just exploded. And it was all just from having a little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, with their with their audience. Doesn't need to be big. I think that's the biggest hiccup that I've seen from my lens and experience in history and marketing is where people just try to do these extreme oh, case in point. KFC, um, we did a campaign with them a couple of years back. We've done a bunch in this um Australia, but we did this big one with Japan. And their previous year campaign, they literally had a fifty thousand dollar prize yeah. or equal to their currency for people that basically, um, I think it was the scratchies and a whole bunch of other things. It actually looked quite cool. We came on board and they said, would you mind doing a campaign for us? So we took over, they introduced shrimp in Japan. So we did this shrimp attack game and you had to flip the shrimp away from this um, this KFC building. It was quite a fun game, but it ended up getting um, nearly a million plays and I think 6 million total plays. So the average wow. player came back six times. Yeah. And they actually, um, they had a, the campaign was meant to be three months. End up only being a month because I sold out of the shrimp. Wow! But again, it was that thing of what was the prize? Mm. The total prizes, the 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 number one prize was like um, a family feast, which was like you know what's that twenty five dollars worth? <laughs> it wasn't big. Yeah. So we played on the fact of like, oh my goodness, you could win this, the ultimate mega prize, which is a family feast. Yeah, that's fun. And so it yeah, and it values the product. And so what mm. I've seen in marketing a lot of times as people try to get people into their store or they try to be like, Hey, everything, um, everything in our store is 20% off. Well, if it's everything for everyone, mm. you've actually just devalued your product. Yeah. However, if you flip the coin and you do a competition or you do something else and you say the value of this thing is X, Y, Z, and it's actually a lot, you're actually putting value to your product. Um, yeah, I love that. Ca case in point again, we did one with, um, Red Bloom. And they were doing a V8 experience and they were trying to um, target guys uh, 35 and older to do this V8 experience. And they weren't getting a lot of click-throughs. Their, their, their target audience usually is about 90% female because most of the time it's the mums and the wives that buy experiences for the husband, not the other way around. But they were trying to get males onto the site to order these experiences. And so we said, okay, cool. We'll do a video game that is a car game. And the prize, if you win this car game, you're like this little matchbox car that boosts around and have to pick up all the red balloons. If you win the prize, you get 20% off um, your next um, V8 experience. That's good. And the crazy thing was, they did a parallel AB test on their website, and they found out the people, they literally had this big banner, 50% off V8 experiences. Then they had on the, on the next AB test, so every second person that arrived on their website, they would see this video game that came out that said, if you win the game, you get 20% off they found out that the ones that played the video game and only got 20% off were over 55% more likely to order the experience. Because mm. wow. they felt like they earned it, even though yeah. it was less of a discount. I like that. I like that so, you said they felt like they earned it. And, um, yeah. and it, also, it also keeps the price and the value of that experience higher. Because if you can discount exactly. something by 50%, like 
it can't be worth that much. Because <laughs> yeah. you think like we're so we're so cynical these days that if someone's like sixty percent off, you're like, man, how much does it cost you to make that product? Like, surely you're not. It's like when you go in to buy a TV from Harvey Norman or JB, and like, mate, I'm doing this one below cost. It's like, wh- why are you doing that? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, how crap is it? Yeah. I mean, I know they get I know they get kickbacks from like Sony or the TV companies and stuff like that, but still, I, I still find it hard to believe that you would be selling something for for less than you bought it. Exactly. There's, there's got to be a line there, right? And mm. like you say, I think we're all just, um, you know, critical in the back, of, the back of my mind. The older I get, the more I go, I'm shocking these days. But I'll look <laughs> up something and go, hey, um, you know, review. What's the best microphone on the market? And if I see the most expensive microphone, I'm naturally like, I'll go for that. Oh, what's the most expensive <laughs> camera? Because I naturally associate Price. value with money. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that's the thing that a lot of these... I mean, you got to know which company, you know, what audience you're going for. Mm. But it's almost like if you've got a strategy of going, I'm going to have this product for this type of person and this product for this type of person, that way you can target specifically according to who your audience is. Yeah. I mean, c- case in point would be like Energizer and EverReady. Um, mm. Their battery company, the guy came out with Energizer, uh, one of the, supposedly one of the best batteries and longest lasting batteries in the world, <laughs> the catchphrase goes. <laughs> Huge, great um, marketing and all the rest of it. But I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast has ever heard of a, um, what is it? Energize, not Energize, uh, an EverReady ad because they don't spend any money on it. But he actually created the um, EverReady brand so that by comparison, when you're in the supermarket, you look at an Energizer and you go, oh, that's quite expensive. And then you look mm-hmm. at the EverReady and it's half price and you go, oh, the Energizer must be worth it then because it's twice the price. So because he didn't have competition at the time, he created his own competition. So by comparison, he was the best brand, even though he owns both of them. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. It's, I tell you, it's no one does it right was the now. Energizer um, bunny, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah huge brand. I yeah. mean, massive. I mean, have you heard of um, Mighty Ape? No. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like the Amazon of New Zealand. Oh, it's, um, okay. It's, pretty big. It. It's, actually, it's, it's actually pretty big in Australia as well. But um, they, um, I know a bunch of the guys that work there, but um, their, their big thing is because they're like an Amazon, they sell everything. Um, most of the time it's same day delivery mm. because they sell everything and they're done insanely well. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but because they're done so well, you, they still have certain customers that don't want to buy from them because they want to buy from niche websites. They want to buy from a website that only sells um, video games or they want to buy from a website that only sells um, fans or only mm. sells fishing gear. And so what Mighty Ape's doing is they're literally buying up. Like they literally just last week, they just bought a massive fishing company and they're just taking it over. And so when someone searches for fishing gear, even though it's through Mighty Ape, their yep. website storefront is this fishing company. And again, yeah, it's just wow. a smarter way of getting all these different audiences. Like, Hey, they probably have <laughs> customers that literally don't, maybe not even like their brand that buy from this fishing thing, thinking they're, buying from a boutique store that's not it's actually <laughs> through them I'm, I'm, check, I'm checking them out now yeah it's cool yeah yeah I, places like that where you go they already have a store they already have infrastructure how can you tail on top of that I mean I, I could talk about this for hours but I'll, I'll give you one more example a great one was actually just down the road from me um, I'm back and forth in New Zealand Australia at the moment I'm in New Zealand but just down the road there was this guy that bought uh this, this ice company. So this guy had a fleet of about nine trucks 
And at night time, these trucks would drive to all the gas stations and deliver their ice, restock all their ice supplies. And um, he, he bought this company, and I know the guy, and I said, why'd you buy the company? And he goes, mate, he actually owned a courier company. And he was like, this is genius. I can buy this company that delivers ice from 9 o'clock at night till 7 a.m. in the morning, and I just doubled my fleet because <laughs> the rest of the hours, he's going to use those trucks, clean them out. It only takes like 10 minutes a truck, cleans them out, and then use them as courier trucks for the next 12 hours. So good. So, so immediately, he's literally just doubled his company. So he's like a Richard Branson. He bought one company. It was doing really well. Bought another company that was doing well by itself, combined them, and they, they grew exponentially. Yeah. Because now we can have a fleet of 20 during the day and at nighttime. Mm. So, so little partnerships like that, it's less so marketing and more so business happiness. But yeah. I mean, there's some great people that do it. I mean, another one's just down the road. There's a taxi company that um, there are taxi symbols, actually just a magnet that goes on their car. So they're basically an Uber, but they tell everyone they're a taxi company. And you drive, you just grab this magnet, throw on the side of your car and you're a taxi for the next 12 hours and you take it off again. <laughs> but it looks like a... F- it looks like a fleet of vehicles and it gives people that peace of mind that, oh, I'm not Uber, I'm a taxi. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Genius. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I love that stuff. Love it. Johnny, how did you get into doing Gamify? Yeah, Gamify. Um, the, the original like genesis or seed was I grew up with chronic dyslexia at school. So to this day, I've got the reading ability of about a 11 or 12-year-old. Uh, get words back to front, dates and things back to front just all the time. And I went to a counselor, school counselor about it, and she got me onto these video games and things like, you know, your math blaster and spell check and all these other sort of fun games that um, I um, really turned my academics around after about a year from playing all these video games because, you know, I would shoot it, you'd be playing, you'd be able to figure that runs across the screen and then like someone would jump up and try to shoot you and you had to answer this math question like at a certain amount of time. And I just play this game like three hours a day. And by the end of my first year, I ended up passing all my tests um, yeah, to the wow. point that I actually got caught, caught up twice um, by uh, the principal for he thought I was cheating <laughs> because you what know, a, what a, a, lot of these what a nice guy were, to have such faith. I know, I know. Honestly, it, it actually was a bit of a childhood. Uh, what's it called? Traumatic experience yeah. for me. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I got, got labelled with that. Mainly because the math teacher, and, and um, specifically, is about the English teacher as well, but specifically the math teacher said, um, one, no one can change their scores around that much. And two, because I've got dyslexia, I work out equations a little bit differently. So he would look at the way I put numbers together and say, there's no way you came to the correct answer with that equation. Wow. And uh, so he naturally, thought, yeah. But um, again, it was just because of video games. If you can quickly nut out something in your head just from playing a game so much, um, it doesn't, you don't have a lot of workings on the paper. Hmm. But I really thought at that age, I was like, well, I, um, you know, because I went to Kit McGrath and all these other places and I had a single mum with six boys and a girl. And you just thought there's a lot of, there's a lot of money. And then out of nowhere, this little $40 game was changing my life. Yeah, and I got a bunch of my mates onto it. I thought I can't believe there's not more. Like as I got older, it was very much like a kid thing. Mm. They just stopped, and I remember being annoyed about that later on in life. But um, straight out of high school, joined the uh, New Zealand military. Um, sometimes I have to tell people that yes, New Zealand does have a military. <laughs> I was a rifleman there for a while. Left that, jumped into Vodafone, and um, that that was great. Just literally walked down the. Um, walked down the road into a Vodafone store, started asking a bunch of questions to this guy. He said, um, I wasn't actually looking for a job. I was going to take a couple months off. 
asked this guy like a hundred questions about what he did, what his job was like, you know, just being friendly. And he said, oh man, are you looking for a job? I said, no. And he goes, well, do you want one? I was like, sure. <laughs> it was like Thursday late night. He said, come back in three hours and literally got my measurements. Three hours later, I was working in my first day at Vodafone. Wow. And I, I loved it. And, um, worked on the storefront, then went to head office, started doing call center and call center was really hard. I, I, I've got a lot of time a day for those call center guys because it was a hard job Yeah, because you have to go back in the day, you had to go through a certain career path to, to do well at Vodafone. And a, a part of my job was call center, but, um, they had this thing up on the wall and depending on how fast you got through calls and your star ratings, you were like a little horse with a number. So you'd walk in and they'd say, Hey Dan, you're number four. And you could see the horse number four on a big TV screen. And the faster you got through calls, the faster the horse would run. And cool. you could see in, yeah, you could see in comparison who you were beating on the, on the sheet. And so there wasn't names, which I liked because only you, only you knew who your number was. Oh, that's smart. So it protect, yeah, so protected people a bit. Yeah. I remember looking on this TV screen and I just wanted my horse to win. I got very competitive. <laughs> I'm not competitive by nature, but I got very competitive about, about this. Yeah. And it was so nice. Like I felt like this is a really hard job, but that little tweak, it probably would have cost them, I don't know, maybe five grand for you know what we do. We're a specialist that comes in and goes, here's your graph. Let's make a little bit of fun. Let's gamify it a little bit. But that for me really helped me do a job that I did not like you know, become a little bit easier, a lot a bit easier. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that's when I started thinking, how can I make learning and work fun as basic and <laughs> as that sounds? Yeah. And um, so I got in contact with a, um, actually that was a, that got put on side for a bit, but after that I, um, I was used to doing about a hundred calls a day with Vodafone, startup insurance brokerage company and started with that basic principle. You know, this is back in the day before people were good at Google or anything else, <laughs> but just a hundred calls every day call list That's huge. and started this brokerage company did really well saved up a bit of money went and saw one of my mates and said um had saved up a bunch of money um had a house or two at the time and said um i wouldn't mind getting into business and he actually had an idea about a wireless payment system and um said oh, what's the idea and he said oh this and this and this and he goes look i'm just coming up with this idea with my mate but it'd be cool to get like a salesperson on board would you want to do sales so that ended up becoming a company called Pushpay. And every day, just like the Vodafone and just like brokerage, sat down in my home office, 100 phone calls a day to all the, in my case, charities and churches around New Zealand saying, hey, imagine if people could pay you through your phone instantly. Yeah. And um, ended up going to America, ended up becoming a $2 billion company. Wow. And did very, yeah, did very well out of that. So, but again, basic principles, 100 phone calls a day. So Richard Branson said, he said, if you only did one thing every single day that could get, guarantee success, call 50 people. And his yeah. idea back in the day was this idea of if you're keeping front of mind in a positive way with just a bunch of people, the law of numbers states that there's all these people that are going to get to know you really well. You'll get more opportunities, you know, relationships, friendships, career opportunities. People will know you. He's like, if a lot of people know you in a healthy way, you'll find life a lot easier. So back in the day when he didn't have a job, he would literally call people up and just be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And he said every single person was like, why are you calling me? And he would just say, oh, just calling you to chat, just making sure you're doing well. Okay, bye. And he said he would just do that. And it's those little seeds that, you know, five years later, he'd call up someone and ask for a favor. And he'd be like, oh, this guy's a pretty good dude. He's actually, you know, put that emotional currency down. Yeah. And so now he's got the right to ask for a favor or, you know, yeah. ask for a job or do something else. I just, I love that concept, mate. I think that's I mean, brilliant. Um, I, think, yeah. I think it's so true though. Like 
Don't you think, I mean, we're very, I'm very lucky in the work we do. Like we, we work with some great people. Um, and that's always been a big yeah. focus of mine is do work with people that you, you know, you enjoy working with, you know, enjoy, do good, yes. good work for good people. But, um, but the more you spend time with people, the more you want to work with them as well. Like if you, if you're enjoying it. So yeah. it's just like, like exactly what you said. If you're, if you can sort of occupy space in their brain or in their mind and it's positive, it's yeah. a positive experience. Yeah. When they think of you, they'll be like, oh yeah, it was good working with that person. I want to, yeah, it was good working with Dan. Or it was good working with Johnny. I should do more work that's, with them or I should, yeah, we should catch branding, up. Sort of right? like, yeah. yeah. And that's right. It is branding. personal branding. Yeah. Yeah. Does, that's like what we talked about with Red Bull. What's the feelings you get when you have that product or service or you're mm. around that person? Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, they remind me of good things. Yeah, it's it's a lost art. I mean, Warren Buffett, who used to be one of the richest men in the world, who um, you know, he still has, I think, he's still top ten, but gave half his money to um, multiple charities, including the the um, Bill Gates and Melinda Foundation. But um, I think rightfully so. I think he'd still be the richest person, even over Jeff Bezos at the moment, if he didn't give half his income away. But um, they interviewed him on, um, I think it was Time Magazine. They went to his office and they interviewed him, and the lady said, "Oh, I can't see a computer or." <laughs> anything else in your room. Like he's real basic. He goes yeah. through methodically through people's finances to figure out what companies to invest in. And she said to him, she's like, Hey, you're the richest man in the world at the moment. What's a piece of advice um, you'd give people? And uh, he goes, Oh, you know, there's a bunch of things. And she stops for a moment and she notices an award on his, um, on his wall in his office. And she said, um, Hey, you've got like a master's degree. And I think it was accounting or something from, you know, a prestigious university. And she said, why don't you have any of these awards up? And he goes, Oh, the only award I have up on my wall is the only one that really matters to me. It's the only one that's really changed my life. And the camera zooms up and it was an award for a one day certificate um, from a, from a book called how to win friends and influence people for Dale Carnegie. Wow. And he said that one day course on how to get along with people, he said, helped me more in business than every other thing he did, including his masters. Wow. And he, this is the richest man in the world being like, he literally stops and says, people want to work with people they like. Yeah. That's just 101. Yeah. And Completely so it's hard, agree. like, I've, yeah. And I find even with yourself, mate, that, you know, call up, hey, you want to do a podcast and you, you're so polite and nice about it. There's a hustle behind you and you, you naturally get the sense you want to get things done. And so what happens the moment you want to do marketing or something else? You're like, well, that guy, he's a, he's a driver. He's a goer. Like, he'll get things done. <laughs> so there's all those attitude and characteristics that come along with that. But it's, I think it's the same in business. Mm. People just want to work with people they like, especially mm. when you have money. The yeah. moment you have money, you go, I don't have to work with you if I don't want to. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's those little things. I mean, classic example, like Naomi um, from Shark Tank, you know, um, straight after I sent her some, um, some Apple AirPods and I got them made uh, red like a special oh, edition. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And her brand's like red balloon and she always yeah. wears red. And yeah. I just sent the two to say, hey, thanks for meeting up with me. Like, you know, you probably charge out, you know, 10 grand a session sort of thing to do business and stuff with you. So I say, thank you so much. Thanks for helping me out on Shark Tank. Thanks for following up with me. And she was so personable and so lovely, you know, both before, during and after Shark Tank. And then she went all over her social media being like, Johnny from Gamify got me these. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is literally a thank you. I didn't sort of expect this huge like social media like burst. That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, and it's those little, it's branding, eh? Um, yeah. Vodafone, classic example. I, was, I wanted to get into a better position and I called up the, uh, the guy who re does recruitment and he didn't pick up my phone because he never talks to anybody. And I talked to his <laughs> PA and I said, um, hey, you know, what's Paul into? And she goes like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, what's he into? Like, oh, so sports or anything? And she goes, oh, I think he's into tennis. I was like, cool. So I went down the shop and bought him some size nine tennis shoes, which was his size, but I only put one in the, in the box. 
And um, I sent it to him with a little letter that said, if you want the other shoe, you'll give Johnny Shannon an interview. <laughs> and he just Mate, called me that. up. And he, yeah, because at the time, um, and look, it might still be, I, I don't even know what it's like. At the time, you couldn't go too far in Vodafone unless you had a degree. So you had this yeah. this internal thing that it asked you, do you have a degree? And you click no, and it said like, Basically, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, just put so a, ceiling, like, a ceiling get... on your uh, yeah. progress. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, how do I get in contact with this guy? And um, he called me up just bursting out laughing. And he literally awesome. said, he's like, mate, if you're half as good at getting, you know, getting my attention as you are doing sales and regional sales, you'll do very well. And I did well, but I think he naturally saw this thing of, I, you just try to have a little bit of fun. Like, mm. how can you link a little bit of fun to your name or your brand? And we do literally dumb stuff like that all the time. Um, there's a recent marketing company that um, it was like a Buzzy Bee type of brand and um, we found out their birthday. And the funny thing is they didn't even know their birthday. We actually found their birthday on the company registry and we sent this massive birthday cake with these bumblebees all over it. And again, they went nuts all over social media being like, look what Gamify did. It cost me a hundred bucks and I probably got five grand's worth of free advertisement. And you don't wow. do it for that reason. But I think it's those sort of things that with Gamify specifically, um, we set aside 5% of profit from every client to give them back stuff. That's amazing. And so it, yeah. So it's just that little like goodwill thing. Like, um, so we've got a, our key contacts, the company gets a gift once a year and the key contact gets something on their birthday. And so we've cool. literally had multiple people say to us, um, which is fun and sad at the same time. But we had a guy literally just last week say to us, Hey, um, on my birthday, he's like, my wife got me something the day later, <laughs> but he's like, the only person that actually got me a gift on my birthday was you guys. Wow. And you go, what it cost me? 30 bucks, 40 bucks. I think we've got these like nice wines and things that we just send out. It's, it doesn't take a lot, man. It honestly doesn't. But that's, uh, that's so cool. I just love, that's the other side. I, I love the effort of just that surprise and delight element. Um, that's it. And, and then the consistency, you know, like they, you, to do it, to do it year in, year out. It's easy to do something nice once, uh, but it's hard, to, it's hard to follow up. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that takes a lot of effort. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some good systems and processes within the business that sort of monitor that or manage that. Oh, there is. If, if it's not easy, you won't continue doing it. That's, yeah. You've just hit the, the, the hardest point because it actually is easy in the moment when you feel good about a client, mm. you know, to either order it yourself or send a quick email to your PA and say, hey, can you please get them something nice? Yeah. It's a whole other thing where you go, okay, now we've got a huge Excel sheet. I mean, we work off a bunch of documents. Like we've got HubSpot, which is fantastic, and a bunch of other things. But the funny thing is, is personally, I actually just keep going back to a massive Excel sheet. <laughs> and I just click on it, and it says, you know, whose birthday is next? And um, we just try to think, you know, really quickly around team meetings, what's something fun that we could perhaps give them Often it's, um, we do mugs a lot. I do a lot of mugs for schools because mm. um, one of the biggest things for school teachers is people stealing their mug. And so we literally <laughs> just put their name on a mug and send it to them. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, teachers all around Australia have been like, it's so funny, no one steals my mug anymore because my name is literally on it. <laughs> I love that. It, it is true. I'll just, I'll just jump in there. Like, it is funny when yeah. you have your mug at the office and like <laughs> yes. occasionally I'll see, you know, someone who's in for a day or something like that. Like we're in, we're in a space where there's a few other uh, businesses and, and you see yeah. someone drinking out of it and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. should I go in and say something? Don't do it. <laughs> Honestly. But again, how much, I mean, you can go on, um, man, what is it called? Um, print something. I mean, literally if you just type in, 
personalized mug. Yeah. It costs you. Yeah. I think it's like $8. I mean, we do them in bulk. So it ends up by the time it costs us to make it, I think it's $4.90 plus delivery is like $3.80. So for about 10 bucks, you've literally sent someone a personalized mug that I remember one teacher said to me, um, it was a year after she said, Hey, I just broke my mug. I'm so, so sorry. Is there any chance you get me a new one? Given mine, I charge out a lot to speak at a big school, you know, thousands of dollars. And I'm like, yes, I'm sure I you your $10 mark, you know, just this once. Yeah. But it's, it's honestly, it's the personal things. I feel like 21st century business, we haven't stopped for a moment and gone, what's my unique offering? Mm. And yes, you might offer a better product or service. Yes, you're probably really good at targeting your audience and communicating your benefits. But if you take a step back and go, what's unique about me? What's something this person can only get from me? It's you. Mm. It's your personality. Like mm. oh, there's only one you, just like speaking in schools, like someone could say, hey, this person's awesome at this and this. And like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But they don't have my unique stories, my unique life experience. I'm just a little bit different because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I feel like when you have that genuine personal connection, um, it's just win-win really. You put the other people first and they end up putting you first as well. Mm. Yeah, so I, true. I, I love that stuff. My favorite thing about business is literally, like, well, you said it really well, surprise and delight. How do you get someone's attention and make them feel like a million bucks? Yeah. And yeah, nine times out of 10, you might not even get a thank you or anything back. But, um, you know, every now and then you get one and you just realize people are busy, but yeah. they actually do, most of them do love that stuff. And and that's what I think you've got to keep in mind because I've, I've done, you know, we've done really cool Chris, Chris, Christmas gifts uh, over the yes. years for clients and, and diff- yeah. different little things. And sometimes when you give it, I, I start to try to remind myself, I'm doing this, um, you know, I'm, I'm giving it without the expectation of them calling yeah. or, you know, you, you've got to really remove that because if you're giving it and then it's expecting true. this response, this grand, you know, yeah. this, this grand response or this, you know, this heartfelt thank you, you sort of like, well, it takes the point of doing it. You're doing it because you want yeah. to do something nice. Um, yeah. And you know, it's like a pride it, thing, right? Like, cause yeah. I want my brand to be like this. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, you've got to, you've got to really separate that. Otherwise you can get disappointed or deflated when, when you don't get the response you need. And I like what you said yeah. before, like people are super busy. So they probably, they probably get it. <laughs> yeah. They probably have a laugh with the team and they, you know, show it to the different team members and they're just like, they just might not get back to you and, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I found that a lot. Often, when we redo a campaign, because a lot of our com- a lot of the clients will do yearly campaigns. It's just, you know, especially big brands, they'll do. Hey, look, we'll do one or two video games a year, mm. and it's often a whole another six months later. They're like, oh, by the way, thanks so much for that thing. And yeah. back in my mind, I'm like, man, I wanted to follow up and be like, did it even arrive? <laughs> but you don't want to be like, oh, you know, where's no. my gratitude? Yeah. But that's what I've found is if you have that 5% margin, our, our thing is 5% profit. So, yeah. you know, for a big campaign, sometimes it's $50, sometimes it's $500. Mm. Um, but it's one of those ones where you go, cool, at least that protects me as well from going, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't actually that much in the scheme of things. So yeah. if you don't get that <laughs> response, we all secretly, you know, want. Wish because yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, it, it just protects you from being like, no, no, this is just how I wanted to run my company. And yeah, and that's a fun part of it. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, All you were telling me how you got into Gamify. <laughs> and you were at a stage yeah. where, so you are at Pushpay. Uh, so you moved on from doing 100 calls a day at Pushpay and, and, that, yeah. um, and you, you exited that business? Or? Yeah, I did. We did about um, um, two years in there. I've, st- I've took out the majority of my shares, but still have some shares in there just because yeah, right. I think it's a company that's doing very well. And the, the basic 
fundamentals are, are very good. You've got, mm. um, we went over there and I found, I, I used to do insurance. So I found out the best way to make good money in insurance is to have a whole bunch of healthy people in a pool <laughs> on your books yeah. because the less likely statistically they are of getting sick, um, just, it's just the rule of the game, the more money you make. Yeah. And so if you've got a thousand people on your books and only one person's getting sick, you've got a 0.1% sick rate, which, you know, the average rate for New Zealand is around 2% at any given time. You're going to do very well. Mm. And it sounds like a weird concept, but I went to America and I ended up talking to this military guy and he started talking about, um, Hey, did you know that, um, card processing fees, that a lot of them are really expensive because they have to pay back theft. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, things like your Amex, there might be two, 3%, mm. but the, the biggest majority, 50% of that transaction fee, you know, 1.5% is because 1.5 out of a hundred transactions are false and they have to credit back the person wow. um, with the money. And he said, did you know that next to nobody, it, contrary to popular belief, contrary, contrary to these like historical fictional figures like Robin Hood, he said, did you know this contrary to popular belief, no one steals money to give it to charity or churches. And yeah, wow. he said, I think if you put all these charity and churches under this massive umbrella, you could offer them half price card processing fees. That's so cool. And I was like, this is insane. So I called up a bunch of churches, some of the biggest <laughs> ones in New Zealand, Australia, started asking them. And the average church said their third biggest outgoing is basically goes staff and wages building and electricity and supplies, their third biggest outgoing was card processing fees. Yeah. Because people would, you know, they'd be giving, you know, hey, you know, World Vision, someone just gave 10, 10 grand, but they did it on a credit card or a debit card. Well, they're mm. paying 3%. Well, that goes into your margins, especially when, you know, in some of these cases, only 30% gets transferred through because of admin or the rest of it. You know, that's a huge chunk. Yeah. So we called up all these people and said, hey, we can do this um, push, we can do this payment with you. And um, they're like, yeah, this is great. So we literally um, almost did like the Shark Tank thing. I did th this thing called, um, Elliot, my business partner, did this thing called Lion's Den in New Zealand. Mm. And funny enough, out of a 1,000 investors in the room, not one person invested with us. <laughs> However, a while later, um, this real legend of a guy who actually brought Epos, his, him and his family brought Epos into New Zealand, a guy called Peter Hulard, who's um, you know, worth just crazy amounts of money, actually saw the potential in it and he put some money down, really helped drive it with the, uh, the CEO, Chris Heslop, and um, really pushed it, really pushed it. And it's done so insanely well and there's just billions of um, extra funds that are going through every single year because people can give to charities quickly from their phone now. So that's something that I'm just, I'm super proud of that business. But again, um, for me, um, through my lenses and my history and what I was doing at the job, it was just call a hundred people a day because you know that <laughs> it was, a, it was a hard life, but you go, you just know that, um, actually my succession was on the third call, nearly 50% of people said yes. Cause I think on the third call, they realized you weren't going away. I was very nice about it. I wasn't naggy, but I just be like, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to be in Timaru. I'm seeing up, I'm seeing life church and city impact, you know, at the same time, I just wondered if I could see you, you know, I've got spaces here and here. No. Okay. You know, a week later, hey, just letting you know I've got one last spot. I'll give you a coffee. By the time you finish your coffee, I'll be out of your office. Is that all right? Fine. And then you, you explain it to them. And um, most people got it very quickly. Mm. And the great thing with, for us is the positive side of COVID has been this thing of people are now doing things like, you know, church at home. And they're just using their, their mobile giving to give to charities or churches to any extent. But the, the true genius was putting people in a bucket 
to the, that they were less exposed to these huge processing things. Mm. Yeah, that's really yeah cool. so I'm um, sorry, I went off at a bit of a no, 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 tangent there. Great. But yeah, we, I, I want to yeah, ask on the hundred hundred calls a day. Where, like, where yeah. do you get the energy or the resilience to do that? To sort of fight through the, you know, the I'm sure lots of people saying no or hanging up, hanging up on you. Oh, like, yeah. how, how do you how do you sort of build that that thick skin? For sure. So I did this for about eight years, and so um, it's funny because um, even now when I hire people, I'm like, hey, you got to do minimum fifty calls a day, um, you know, and then. I'll, often I'll help people do like 50% of the job. Like I would make the less energetic stuff at the end of the day so they can do design or something else. But um, so many people used to say, that's impossible, you can't do it. But people, a lot of them, my guys do it all the time. Now, I used to use a system called Core, Core Fire. There's a bunch of different ones out there. But you just you'll get an Excel list and say, hey, I'm targeting, um, let's say I'm targeting marketing companies. I'll go into Google, type in marketing or anything else that's related to those areas. Um, you create your whole list. You um, upload and put it into a thing called Callfire, and it'll call from your computer. And the moment you hang up, the moment the person picks up or you leave a message or you talk to them, the moment you hang up, it automatically calls the next person. <laughs> and I found for me, that was the biggest thing. Because the thing that is the hardest, that takes the most discipline, is looking back down at the sheet and calling that next number. Yeah, wow. I found that if I'm on Bluetooth headphones and I'm away from my computer and the moment it hangs up and the next one starts, I find I automatically go back into autopilot Yeah, and you, you, you're talking to the next person. There's no time to hesitate. That's but cool. I found that was the only way I could personally do it. Now, <laughs> I think it's like anything in life. If you can figure out ways of realizing that, hey, you can be the most disciplined person in the world, but if you're put in situations where you have to use discipline all the time, you're going to you know, run out of energy. Mm. Like case in point for me, I go, one of my big things was staying healthy. I come from a very active family, but I hate going to the gym. So for me, one of my biggest things became I need a gym in my house. So I've got this beautiful gym downstairs in my garage. It's completely padded, has state-of-the-art equipment. And for me, I'm like, it's not much discipline to work out every day because yeah. <laughs> I've dedicated this whole space to it. In yeah. fact, there's a book called Atomic Habits. Yeah, yeah. And I've, got it on my, yeah? I've got it on my wish list. Um, I've heard oh, only great things. Yeah, I've got to yeah. get into it. Mate, honestly, one of the key aspects, and my mates, um, I was just hanging out with my mate last night, the guy that works um, as one of the top guys at Mighty Ape, and he's gone through 50 books last year. And I said, mate, how'd you do it? And he goes, to be honest, man, he goes, I read this book, Atomic Habits, and he did what you basically do where in my house, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, um, in my stage of life to have different rooms for different things. But he said, I have a room for different stuff. So he literally dedicated this little room, put a wall through it because it was a larger room. And one of the rooms is literally just a chair and all the books that he bought for the entire year. And he said, I literally sit on that chair and left to right like an accountant with a piece of paper going from left to right, you know, to yeah. do and done. He's like, I just read through the books. That's cool. And this is a guy who like, you know, the year previously probably read two books and he read 50 yeah. and he said one of the best ones he wrote was Atomic Habits. But um, yeah, so that, that's me. I'm I think like, there's, a, there's a quote in there. Gym I think it's, uh, yeah? you don't, we don't rise to the levels of our goals. We fall to the levels of our systems or something like that. I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but, um, but essentially I love it's, it's not about having high hopes and aspirations. It's well, you can have those, but if you don't have good enough systems that you'll fall back yeah. on, you just won't achieve anything. Oh man! Uh, and I think it was quite—it was quoted by one of our previous guests, uh, Tony McGinn. But um, but yes. yeah, I've heard it—I've heard it I mentioned a number of times as a as a book. So I think it's Atomic Habits by James Clear. Is it? Yes, that's the one. Oh yeah, man, I, 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 I love that a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, well, see, me even now, I'm like, I need to re-listen to it because I don't remember <laughs> that quote. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so moving out of um, Push Pay. Yeah, so I started doing 100 calls a day and I've done that for like really eight oh, years. The sorry, big thing was Richard Branson's quote. Yeah. And he really convicted me because he's got chronic dyslexia, but yet he started all these companies and he's, you know, and, until Elon Musk came around, Richard Branson was really my, um, the guy that I really, I really loved. Like, you know, just how he ran his life and the fact that he had the same dyslexia thing as me. But he, he's literally said that thing, 50 calls a day, no matter what you do. Mm. And so I've really carried that through all the different businesses. Now, these days, the guys do a little bit differently. We found a better hit rate with, um, and this is going to sound real stink, but because there's so many people with English as a second language um, that's, that are in marketing and in IT development and in my industry, we found one of the best things you can do is actually show the person your face and speak very, very clearly. So we've yeah. got people that have different accents, but including myself that has a New Zealand accent, and a lot of our clients are American. So I, unlike this podcast, have to train myself to slow right down <laughs> and speak very clearly into the camera, very slowly, and just say, hi, my name's Johnny Shannon. You're one of the big marketing companies in Austin, Texas. And I saw on your client list that you look over M&M's we've got a fantastic couple of ideas that I think Eminem would really like when it comes to video game marketing. In fact, I've got five concepts around Christmas ideas that I'd love to show you. If you've got 15 minutes sometime next week, please click on the link below and book in a time. Thanks so much. That's great. And it would literally, we do a hundred of those a day. So wow. it only takes 30 seconds that we do a hundred and everyone's got their little cool boost, soundproof cool boost with the little webcam and it's personalized pitches to all these different companies. And we've found is if you're clear and precise, you say exactly, and it's ideally clear and precise and it's seasonal. In other words, we've got these four or five ideas regarding Easter. We've got these mm. four or five ideas regarding Christmas. We've got these four or five ideas regarding this. It sounds for the customer. They think, okay, this person's clear and precise. Um, they've got a real product offering that they're going to give me some good ideas. They said they're going to do it all for me. And they said they're going to do it in less than 15 minutes. Yeah why not jump on the call with them? Mm. So we found that like for us, that works really well. I know it's different for different companies, but for like, us, we do video game marketing and it's a very, it's a concept that actually does take a little bit of talking to someone to really get their head around. I like that when you, when you say seasonal, so it gives a, a level of, um, well, I guess there's a, there's a, there's a time sensitivity to time, it. Yeah. Time bound. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. That's it. It's, um, I, I think people, if they, can get caught up in things. And a lot of our clients, um, we've actually, we charge extra for last minute games because about 50% of our all out. Yeah. 50% of our campaigns are all last minute. They'll call us up a week before Halloween and be like, we really want to do this campaign. <laughs> and you're like, okay. It, you know, cause then you've got to have to, we, we've got designers that are overseas as well as um, in New Zealand and Australia. And so they rotate between coding the game 24 seven until the game's done, but it costs us a lot more. Mm. but um so what we try to do is we try to preference it we try to think how can we add value to a marketing company okay for instance let's just say mnms um mnms coke kfc there's the certain companies that really like video games that have done very well with them so we'll contact the local ones and say hey you know did you know um you know coca-cola in america did this campaign this campaign this campaign and the return on investment was xyz you know as one of the best campaigns they did I would love to do a local one with you. And so you're just showing them, you're trying to remove the barriers of saying, you know, your company's actually done it before. Yeah. And um, that's how we've done a bunch of stuff with KFC and V and Nissan is, you know, Nissan UK got us on board to do a bunch. And so we contacted locally Nissan and said, 
hey, we've got a couple of ideas. Even if you say no to them, at least you can go to your client because we talked to the company that overlooks an ascent. We say, at least next time you meet up with your client for your monthly marketing meeting, you can give them a bunch of brand new unique ideas. Mm. And so worst case scenario, you've paid nothing, but as a marketing company, you look like a million bucks because the client's like, oh, this person's really thinking outside the box. Like he's talking about QR codes and video games that come on movie screens and just all these other things. It makes the person feel like, you know, they're really thinking, you know, 24 seven about that other person's product or brand. Yeah. I think that's smart. So we try to pitch it that way. Yeah. We try to pitch it that way. I just had a thought when you said QR codes. It's something that um, yeah. I read a few weeks ago and I thought it was quite funny. But um, it was, if we've got anything out of this whole COVID experience, it's now that everyone now knows how to use a QR code. <laughs> you, oh man, you have no idea. Some, <laughs> I won't say brand names, but let's just say there's one of the largest brands in the world. We, we did a Zoom chat with them a couple of years ago and I'm talking 25 people on a massive board table, Zoom. <laughs> And um, they were like, hey, we want to do this thing. And I was like, yeah, one of the best ways you can do it. Because, you know, we've done a bunch of movie theater stuff, which is really cool. Because, you know, this particular one in Canada, um, the movie's about to play and a QR code comes up on the screen and you can grab your phone out, scan the QR code and play the game of the movie that's about to play. Yeah. And it's like a real fun, quick way of like, you might earn something. And then the QR code, the cool thing with video games is you can shut it off before the movie's about to play. So that way people aren't on their phone. Mm. But there's just a vi- like with video games you can control stuff. So I'm telling them this. I'm like, hey, yeah, we've done this massive one of this big movie recently. We could do something like that. Not one person on the entire boardroom of nearly 25 people knew what a QR code was. <laughs> yeah. And it was just one of those things of like, I actually threw the Zoom chat because I was projected on their screen, um, printed out while talking to them, printed out a QR code and put it towards the screen. And they took out their phones and scanned it from the projection oh, wow. and it worked. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So all these people are like, I don't know this thing existed. I'm like, yeah. you guys are one of the largest marketing companies in America. <laughs> this is insane. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, so are there any projects or, or games that you guys have done recently that you're pretty excited about? Yeah, yeah, a bunch. I think the, the funnest thing about uh, Gamify specifically is that um, you've probably seen with, you know, with marketing yourself, it's, it's always on the forefront. Like you're always mm. using a lot of your creative juices and trying to think what's the best return we can get for the cheapest amount of price. Like what's the most exposure we can get. Um, I'm trying to think one of our most recent, one of the most recent ones, I can't say what the brand is cause they haven't gone completely big with it yet is the QR one with the uh, movie theaters. Yeah. Uh, we did another one recently that I really loved, which was with uh, Nissan with their netball game. So they were, um, they were promoting the intelligent mobility of their car. So this car basically lane corrects around corners and can automatically park for you. And um, it warns you if a car's coming up too quick, it's got all these crazy sensors all over it. But Nissan was also um, sponsoring the netball games, Australian netball. And they said to us, Hey, can we have a video game that, (laughs) that basically highlights intelligent mobility as well as netball? And um, <laughs> so these are the sort yeah, of pictures sure, we get all the time. Yeah, sure, it's such a natural fit. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so the funny thing is we actually came up with about four or five games in this huge campaign for them. But one of my finest ones was we had these huge touch screens, um, uh, which is the original one, which the, um, it was just over a year ago. And then every six months we've done a new one. But these huge touch screens where these netballs get thrown at you and you know, swish, swish them out of the way. And they end up coming so quickly that you can't, you can't stop them. And then the ad comes up at the very end at this big netball arena saying that, you know, you basically the only way to 
um, you know, get these balls out of the way as fast as possible would be with intelligent mobility. And there's a, another one with soccer, which was because um, they sponsored a bunch of different sports. The soccer one, when you had to kick the ball in a certain way from your phone screen, that it had to curve around two or three people and then switch direction and get into this goal. And we converted that. So at the end, it showed a car like getting around other cars and not getting in crashes and somehow oh, managed cool. to outmaneuver. But it's those sort of things that um, it's almost like the hard projects that I get most proud of. Because we've done a bunch of real easy ones that, yeah. you know, just like your KFC sort of thing where <laughs> that game was a very basic game. It was very easy to do. But every now and then you get a really hard one. You go, how do you spin control that? How do yeah. you promote three or four things at the same time promoting, you know, netball and soccer and yeah. World Cup and cricket and intelligent mobility of a, yeah. But, yeah I, um, think that's, I think that's clever and creative. Of, yeah. We had one in the works which we were really excited about, which – didn't end up happening, but um, it's probably pushed back a year because of COVID, but um, we got these servers to be able to handle QR codes in full arenas. So um, like a big all black thing. So think like 30,000 people in an arena and everyone scans the QR code and they all play this just ridiculous like um, rugby game on their phone all at the same time. Wow. just pops up and it's a last person standing who uh, oh, ends up winning so the prize cool. in front of everybody. Yeah, so there's some really cool things like that that I love. But on the other side, we do uh, e-learning and education learning. That's what, you know, why I started Gamify is to try to make learning fun. Mm. And um, so I'm working with the government, with the eSafety Commission, who uh, is just eSafety.gov.au. And they've um, helped me out a lot over the last five years doing free talks in schools around Australia. And just recently we're doing this thing together where, uh, you know, you'll, excuse me, We'll do like a video. So I'll speak at a school, usually over Zoom at the moment, um, or Microsoft Teams. And then afterwards, uh, let's just say the school is St. Kent, um, as an example. You'll go to their website and you'll click and log in, and every single student gets a login deep, like number. Mm-hmm. And they'll watch a video. There'll be a couple of questions, and they'll play a video game that's related to something. So, you know, we've got this little AI thing that bullies you online, and it's AI. So. <laughs> You can't get too offended, but it bullies you and you have to type back and, you know, try to either disarm the person or cool the situation down and you go back and forth. And then once you've done it, you go to the next stage and it tracks your progress. And after about 10 little classes, you get a thing called a cyber safety certificate to show that, you know, you know how to handle fake news and bullying and other things online. Yeah. And then when, you know, it's probably about a nine month to 10 month project, but after that, I want to throw it to the whole of Australia. And there's, about, there's a principal, um, a principal conference about 10,000 principals that I'm going to be speaking at, and ideally get every single principal in the whole of Australia to quote unquote become cyber safe. Because um, you know, a, a lot of them because they're a little bit older, mm. we got awesome education in Australia, like insane, like not being sent to New Zealand, but far better than New Zealand <laughs> to the extent that I'd like to have my kids in Australia. But um. But a lot of the times, you know, your average person, whether it's a principal, teacher, or parent, they don't know what video games the kids are playing. Mm. They don't know that the huge majority of bullying actually happens over video games, not just chat rooms. They don't know how to, you know, they, that they have a legal bias to be able to take someone else's photo down if they took a photo of you without your permission. They don't know so many things, and it's mm. becoming a really big issue because a lot of Australian students um, are leaving high school and they've got a pretty bad <laughs> digital footprint yeah. and they're trying to get jobs and universities and workforces have come out on LinkedIn and it said um, the most recent set is nine out of 10 employees said they will search the average contender 
on two to three social platforms. Completely. So you try to get a job <clears throat> at a high school, they will search you on Instagram, on Facebook, on Google. They want to know who they're hiring. Yeah. And very little education has been given to these kids to say, hey, you probably need to tidy up, you know, your social profile. Hey, you can't actually say these things. That's actually illegal. Like, yeah. Hey, did you know if, you know, you're bullying someone at school, you get a slap on the wrist, you bully someone in the workforce and you get fired. Yeah. So it's these little things. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm mostly passionate about that because I think that's where the most, not just value add, but I think that's where it's going to influence the most amount of people. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, yeah. As you said, most employers will do that. I do that every time we get a, we get an application or or a resume. Like it's the first thing you do because it's like, well, that, you know, yes. cool. That's what you want. That's not what you want me to read. What's the stuff that you're yes. just putting out in in your personal time or that sort of thing? So I have a quick, you know, quick scan of the profiles just to make sure there's yes. nothing too untoward. Um, but I guess going back, like, what what makes you what made it, made you want to speak at schools about anti bullying? Yeah, sure. Um, my big thing is um, most of my stuff I look back on now is very child-related. You know, like, for instance, gamifiers because I found it hard learning. Um, my thing at school was <laughs> there's, there's a guy called T.D. Jakes, and I remember when I left the military, I was like, hey, what do I do in the future? And he said, do something you're passionate about. But he said, here's where people go wrong. A lot of people think passion is good. Sometimes passion, finding, a, finding what you should do, sometimes it can be negatively geared. And he said on this um, podcast, he said, what's the thing you most hated when you were going through school? And I thought to myself, I hated bad speakers. <laughs> I hated going to a school presentation and just hearing someone drag on about something or not giving any real good advice and having to like sit through that with like no energy. And you felt like they were just doing it as a job and they didn't really enjoy it. And um, I wrote down these things and I was like, man, I'd, I'd love to be a speaker. And then I thought back to some of my experiences and thought, well, what's something that I would love to go back and teach schools about what's something that I wish my you know, older self went back and talked about. And it was um, my bullying stuff. So I got picked on a lot at school. I had this big mole on the side of my face and wore big glasses and had pretty bad acne. I was the second shortest kid in my school and obviously couldn't read or write, so I kept on failing. And my experience was, um, I don't know, the best way to explain it is like – you know, when you're growing up and you have a mate who has like a bruise on their shoulder and for some reason you can't stop, but you know, poke it just to mm. get that reaction. I, I would, that's all the bruises, all the bruises is sensitive skin. I wasn't sensitive physically, but I was very sensitive emotionally. And if someone mm. poked fun of one of those issues, you know, said one of my nicknames, like mole man, acne face, four eyes, stupid or dumb, I would go crazy and I'd fight back and, um, I don't tell this necessarily to schools, but I got in about 36 fights. I got expelled from two different schools and I hospitalized a guy. And wow. um, I, I was just a very angry kid from all these things happening, you know, just your childhood, large family, single parent, all the rest of it. And um, my second school, when I got expelled, I went to this new school. It's an hour's driveway called Rangatota College. It's 3,500 students. And the principal, believe it or not, like he took a guy called Alan Peachy, probably one of the best principals. In fact, I, I think he's been awarded best principal of the, that generation, got me aside and said, I'm going to make a contract with you. I'll allow you to come to the school, no other school except you in New Zealand, if you sign this piece of paper saying you're not going to get in fights and you're going to see a school counsellor. And so I signed this piece of paper, saw the school counsellor, and she got me aside and said, um, hey, why do you think you get bullied so much? I said, oh, because of all my disabilities. And she said, well, I know a lot of other students that have a lot of other disabilities, far worse than yours, and they never get bullied. I think the reason you get bullied is uh, you're hypersensitive. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. And she said, like, no, uh, I think you are. 
And one by one, I'll, I'll give you two examples, but she literally just went through the first one, said, what's something you can change? What's something that annoys you? I said, it's my mole. get hassled all the time. She goes, Johnny, when you leave high school, you can get that cut out. And sure enough, when I left high school, the government actually paid for it, get it cut out. It healed up, you know, two days later. And two of my own brothers didn't even realize it was gone. I thought it was this big issue, mm. but it turned out people just picked on me because I was sensitive about it. She goes through another one said, you know, what's another one? What's something you can't change? I said, oh, I'm, I'm short. She said, well, did you know that short people live on average six to eight years longer than tall people? <laughs> and she broke down this thing and said, it's to do with your heart has less heart pressure because the first part's away from your heart, your arms and legs. So when you have less heart pressure, you actually end up living longer. And so I remember getting home and you know, knocking my door, opening my door, my tall brother, my tall family was like, shame, you're so short. I was like, you're going to die. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I just, I started changing the way I thought. She went through 27 different things. She went through my acne. She said, Johnny, did you know that people that have acne it's to do with an overinflation of oil in their bloodstream? It's bad now, but when you get older, it's going to act like a natural moisturizer. You'll actually end up looking a lot younger as you get older. And so, you know, I tell schools all the time, like, I'm 50 years old and no one believes me, which is <laughs> right because I'm 35. But they're, they're just, there was all these things. But honestly, 27 different things. I filled up an entire pad of insecurities and one by one, she was like, look, these things aren't going away. You need to deal with them. And if you mm. deal with them, when people hassle you, you won't react. And it was interesting because I went to her about bullying, but not once did she speak about bullying. The entire yeah. time she said this Chinese proverb, which was, if you become secure in your insecurities, no one else can use them against you. Yeah. And I, I think that. that's built me up from a young age to handle rejection, phone calls, relationship stuff, bad business partners. I think that sort of stuff really built a resilience in me at a young age, thinking, you know what, if you do anything great in life, you're going to get cut down, you're going to get bullied. Mm. Uh, I mean, first name that comes into your head, who do you think is the most hated person according to Google right now Donald in the world? Trump. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So the seventh most hated person in the world, supposedly, um, according to Google, is Justin Bieber. Wow. And really? the el- <laughs> yeah, the eleventh most hated person in the world. What if he was Babes? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. He's just, just swimming this. in his own lane. He's just doing his thing. That's <laughs> true. I've got nothing yeah. against the guy. I thought he he's actually done great at marketing, right? Because back in the day, you got hats of being a girl the whole time. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like he always got has, and he just his, his brand has changed so well. I mean, he's in gangster videos, with like <laughs> you know, tattoos all over him. Like, yeah. He's really changed his image well. But um, the eleventh most hated person, according to this 2019 survey, was Hitler. So, <laughs> case in point, more people hate Justin Bieber than oh Hitler. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I say that at some schools and stuff is, hey, look, there's a whole bunch of generation time and stuff that's gone against it. Mm. But it's not the point. The point is. If you go out there and do anything, if you're in the public eye, if you're getting out there and doing stuff, you will get cut down. Mm. And more so in New Zealand and Australia because we have that tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when we, we went to um, Orange County to start Push Bay and I remember dro- um, walking along and I was, I was in the real nice place. It's called Newport Beach. Beautiful place I was working from. And um, Ferraris would like rock on up. And I remember these kids walking past the road and this guy was in this Ferrari. And all these kids were like, man, awesome car. And I thought they were mocking him. I was like, oh, they're about to like kick his car and or do something stupid like it's a gang of kids. Yeah. And the guy was like, thanks, guys. And the light went green and he just drove off and the kids were all like nodding. And I was like, I thought it was a joke because I, <laughs> you know, my mates have some like some of those brand new like Audi supercars and stuff. I'm like, one of them, guy, I won't say what he owns, but he owns um, a large uh, sport team here in New Zealand. And he says to me, 
he will drive up and drive his car, and he's like, no doubt it will get scratched. So now he's like, if he drives in town, he will literally put a car cover over his car because he's yeah, like, wow. it will get scratched. He's been keyed something like three times in the last three months. But I'm like, that tall poppy syndrome of you see someone with more than you and you naturally think it's daddy's money or you just mm. got given it. Mm. It's like, that's not true. Statistically in New Zealand and Australia, most of the people that make their millions is the first million. It's the first million of their generation, of their family. And so people are so quick to throw that, um, you know, that resentment and not look at, hey, maybe that guy, you know, like myself, maybe the guy actually did 60 to 80 hours a week for the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's younger, but collectively, statistically, he's probably done more work hours than some other people mm. in their 50s and 60s. And that's just, it is what it is. I live and breathe work. Yeah. But there's those sort of things that I just don't think people realize. So what I say at schools is this idea of, hey, look, you might get bullied, but it's actually a time in your life right now to like yourself. And the key to liking yourself is not to like the good things. The key to liking yourself and being secure is to accept the bad things about you or the things you perceive as being bad. And if you can learn how to accept them, be okay with them, trust me when I say, you'll still get hassled for these things. But people connect with you so much faster because people love people who are not perfect, but they're secure. And my case in point would be, um, was it Rebel Wilson? I think in 2016, the, um, um, the blonde, um, larger comedian of, yeah, of yeah, Australia. Yeah. 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 Or a, AKA fat Amy, uh, who she, you know, she classes herself as that on TV. Yeah. But, um, she said she got the, like the teen award. I think it was like 2016 or 17. And she literally said at this award, she was like, Hey, people love me. Not because I'm perfect. I'm far from it. But she goes, people like me cause I'm secure and I have fun with it. Mm. And I thought that's such a change of our generation. Back in the day, you know, anyone that won the Teen Choice Award was always like these model type characters. Yeah. But I think we don't relate to perfect people. I think we relate to imperfect people that have done well. You know, yeah. there, no one, no school. I've, I've, I've never had one student email me after a presentation and say, hey, thanks. That presentation was so great. I can't believe you made this much money with your companies. <laughs> like no one gives a shit. <laughs> Everyone is like, it's always like, Hey, um, I've got dyslexia too. Oh man. I got bullied heaps too. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I came from this abusive thing as well. Oh, I got expelled from this and I can't believe you got like, it's always, you went through a tough time where you had something you overcome that people respect. Mm. No one cares about how much money you make or anything else. Yeah. But they care about, you know, me and Richard Branson. I like him because he's got the same disability, but it done has done well. Mm. It's not so much that he's done well. It's that, you can relate to the person's hardship. Yeah. So that's, that's what I communicate at schools, man. It's the thing I love the most because I think that's if you can so learn cool. to love yourself. And I think you're, I think you're right. I love, I love that you're going out to schools and being you know, a great speaker because I, I cast my mind back to school and I remember there was a few that would stand out and you'd have someone who yeah. you know, had, had gone through a real experience and was, and was there to sh- share that story and you could, you could feel that. You know, there was, you know, some yeah. authenticity in, in how they spoke and, and it was, you know, relevant to what you were doing. But a lot of the time you, you feel like you're just sitting down, you know, in these big halls and someone's just like dialing it in, you know, phoning it in. It's not a, <laughs> yeah, it's just a job <laughs> that they just wheel out the same presentation. So I think it's yeah. amazing to have yeah. such a, oh. yeah, an engaging and, uh, and relevant story. And I love what you say about, you know, when someone is secure in themselves, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's something to really admire. Yeah. Well, all of us are good at something. All of us are bad at something. You know, I think the, um, there's this, I think it was Charles Swindle that said, I, I used to be really on, you know, in my mid twenties, really about finding your purpose and figuring out what you want me to do. 
And there's a quote that he said that it was, um, the worst thing that could happen to you is not that you succeed, but that you succeed in an era, in a thing that you were never meant to do. Mm. And I love that idea of going like, Hey, we are bad at some things, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like sometimes being for me, having dyslexia, not being able to read or write very well, I consume audio books, like no one's business. Like I, I never play the radio in my car. It's always an audio book. I've got a, I've listed them all down. I have my structure, list all the books down and one by one, just want to make Tim go through them. Yeah. But the thing about that is it closes some doors for you, which is a really good thing. Like I don't do any admin. I'm really bad at it. So I have to have a full-time PA that does all my admin for me, but she hasn't paid one tenth as much as I am. And that releases me to do things that I'm really good at that only I can do. Mm. You know, like speaking or these other business deals where you go, well, that's a dyslexic mind. They're very sporadic and they can see the entire picture, but they're very bad with detail as a general rule. So I can see how, you know, these five companies that I'm running, how that actually complements this one and this actually complements this one. You know, so for instance, Gamify, you go, some of these companies really help me out because I'll arrive at a school and someone's like, oh, I saw you on this. Um, we just did a big documentary on uh, National Geographic with a company that I run called Post Harvest. So we do micro sensors that measure the house in um, fruit and produce. And we just did a doc on there. And that was with like Lawrence Fishberg, the, um, the guy from the matrix. Oh, wow. Um, the, the red pill. Yeah. The red pill, blue pill guy. Yeah, we're about yeah. to do this Netflix. Yeah. yeah. We're about to do this Netflix documentary with like nine episodes and it's going to be a hassle because I have to continually go back into quarantine, but I'm going to Japan to talk about <laughs> the, um, futuristic cities. Then I'm going back to America to talk about, um, how they can get more out of their soil. Have you seen the documentary kiss the ground? No. Oh mate, honestly, it's 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 a, such a great program. It's the only documentary I've seen. I've seen like hundreds of them. It's the only documentary I've seen that's positive about how we can reduce our carbon footprint yeah. and how we can um, have better food. It's very positive, very solution based. It's not like a lot of these other documentaries that's just doom and gloom and no real solutions for the everyday person. I'll post a link it's, to it in yeah. the uh, show notes. Mate, yeah, cool. Oh, please do. It's great. But those sort of things. The reason I say they're complimentary is that you know I got into post harvest. Because um, this company had created this microcenter and they said, would you mind coming overseas and would you mind, um, you know, helping us with, out with our advertisement? And so I went overseas. We got this huge computer screens, this big conference, and we did Fruit Ninja <laughs> at this big, <laughs> ag, you know, agricultural technology. And it went so well. They were like, oh, we'd love you to come on board. And we ended up starting this big thing. But it was one of those things where, like, the advertising company of Gamify helped me jump to this position. Mm. And then um, even the Netflix documentary, I was speaking, doing a free talk at a parent night. And this lady asked me to come along board and said, hey, all these fathers, there was a father night. They're finding it hard with their kids getting bullied. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do a free one. So I spoke there and she, it turns out halfway through, I don't know this, but she's actually the lady that did 45 Netflix documentaries. She, knew, she knows and has done documentaries with um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Gore. Wow. And um, she said, you're so good at presenting in front of people. Would you like doing a, <laughs> to do like a big, you know, post-harvest like documentary series on Netflix? And I go, it's so weird how all these companies seem to somehow complement each other. Mm. Like, hey, that's great with marketing. This is awesome with schools because you go in schools and people are like, oh, I saw you on that documentary. I saw you on this. Yeah. And so they all complement. But that's what I was saying at the very start where when people can figure out what company – or what other product or service can I do that will actually complement my product or service? Yeah. You, you do a couple of things there. You help yourself out, but you also make it so you're not just reliant on one thing. I mean, how many people right now, mate, are out of a job because they're only reliant on one source of income yeah. or one company? 
Yeah. And you go, but you could have had all these other things yeah. going on, you know? So I, I think with marketing, with business, if people can stop for a moment, five minutes and think to themselves, what's something else I can do that's an add-on? Mm. Um, you know, maybe you're a lawnmower person. You go, you know what? I can also um, do a little bit of landscaping or I can also do, um, you know, gardens or compost heaps. I mean, there's, there's a company down the road who <laughs> literally just did that. They put a thing in my letterbox and said, we're doing lawn mowings, but we're also now doing worm farms. So I just purchased their worm farm thing. So now I've got this huge worm farm out the back of my garden. That's cool. But it's all those little add-ons because yeah. that's a subscription model too. So he's probably just doubled his business. <laughs> and you go, that's, mar- that's marketing, man. That's yeah. branding. I've yeah. been with you for two years. I trust you. If you suggest something, I'm probably going to go with it. Oh, completely. So, you have those like yeah, those I mean, trusted advisors that you um you know if they say if you go to a course and you go to someone who's an expert in the field and they go oh you need to buy these other things like straight away exactly you, you go out and buy them so why aren't they selling them oh. under their umbrella or why don't they have a um you know a strategic partnership with that company so they get a referral fee or something like that yeah. exactly well it's like like with yourself right hey I'm a marketing company but then you can tag on hey I also do video game marketing oh mm. I also do this, you know, social, social media influence tag stuff on there. Yeah. But it's, it's those companies that can add on. Well, I mean, I know back in the day when I was a, um, I was a financial, I did brokerage. So I did insurance advisory, but, um, one of the first things I did was meet up with 10 lawyers and I found that a lot of lawyers are your best contacts mm. because when people are redoing their wills, the first thing they say to them is, Hey, I've noticed that you're redoing a will. You got five kids. Um, are they going to be all right if you pass away? Oh, they won't be okay, you probably need to talk to my mate, John, and he'll sort out your life insurance. Yeah. So it's stuff like that where you like strategic partnerships or mm. complementary partnerships, like you said, little, little yeah. add-ons. Yeah. We're, we're, we're working on that at the moment, like a referral network um, where you, yeah. just have, you just have a few, you work out what types of, I guess what you're saying there, like when is someone going through a significant life event and then what other services yeah. do they need at that point in time? Yeah. And how can you be... Yeah you know, on the shopping list or one of the people that yeah. uh, are referred. I think that's really good advice. Well, like it, the, it's, it's marketing 101, right? Like who's your target audience and at what point are they going to want your product or service and how can you be the authority in that industry? Mm. Um, I mean, case in point, I, I found out real quick with the different companies, some marketing strategies work better than others. I know with, um, with Gamify, a lot of our stuff is literally organic organic blogs and referrals. So we actually make more money from referrals. We literally send it, you know, we do presents, <laughs> something we're talking about before, but we also do the classic thing of the best compliment you can pay us is talking to us about, you know, to your friend or giving us a referral. We always say yeah. that at the very end, like, Hey, the best compliment, you can say you love the presents, you love the job, whatever. But if you tell another marketing company or one of your other mates, you know, cause some of the big brands can, if you tell your uh, Sydney branch or your Brisbane branch that we just did this, that's the best compliment. But then I get other stuff like um, my school stuff. Uh, I only do Google. I used to do Facebook and Instagram and all these other social networks. And I found out that I put so much time and energy into them all. And who is my target audience? It's a 45-year-old lady who's usually the head of health or counseling at a school. She is mm-hmm. not on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, and Snapchat. Yeah, the kids are there and that's yeah. fine. But the kids don't pay the bills and the kids don't hire you. Yeah. And the, the teacher doesn't care if a kid refers you. Yeah. So it was just 90% Google. So I found that I got my bit, even though Google's stupidly expensive, I found I still got way better um, hardage rates from Google return on investment than did from the other social networks. However, some of the other companies, like um, you know, some of the stuff I've done with um, some of these other ones where we actually end up doing really well, like so 
Gamify, we put a little bit of money on the side of um, LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's actually our biggest thing apart from referrals at the moment. So we yeah, just wow. send out messages and stuff on LinkedIn. It's linked into a thing called DuckSubo. Um, don't know if you heard of that one there. It just automatically contacts people on a list and says hello, so it just introduces you quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but stuff like that, you go, wow, that you know that did not work with me with schools. I did not mm. get any return. But with this company, it does. And it's because your target audience and where their attention is is so different than somebody else. Yeah. So I think I think you. I I mean, it must be the hardest part of your job. I'm assuming. I think you're hitting on a great point. Yeah. um, Where you you really just need to know where that person's attention is and what and what sort of state of mind they're in because it's like you said before. If you're going for schools, you know, being on Google when someone's sitting behind a desk, you know, sitting at work on a laptop or you know on a desktop and they're typing in. Um, you know, anti-bullying speaker, like you want to yep. show up there, whereas you probably don't need to show up um, on Facebook or Instagram, even if they are on it. But like they're not, yep. they're probably sitting on the couch, you know, scrolling through, or they, they, you know, it's at night, and they're not, they're not in that frame of mind. So even if you oh, are rich. there, like, are you, are you really cutting through? So that's, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think, Mate, like you, you said, having it, and the persona side of things, mm. like yeah. breaking that down, like so we've got personas for the different companies that are up on my office, which is like, you know, Susie Sue, which is, she is between 45 and 55, has a couple of kids, maybe divorced, counseling background that, you know, runs the head of house. Okay. What sort of guests does she want? How does she want to be spoken to? Like you say, she's not on social media. She's only on Google. It's only during school hours. Mm. She doesn't do much. Like counselors are usually very, school counselors I've found are usually very much like nine to five. Like I don't, I, I can't bring the stuff home with me because it's intense. Yeah. So you only put your Google ads in between those times with this specific region and um, age and all the rest of it, which you can do with Google and the rest. But you go again, like you said, but Gamify is very different because there's a lot of marketers that spend a lot of time 24 seven. I feel like marketing is one of those 24 seven jobs. You're always trying to get ideas. So we've actually done really well with um, YouTube is another one that we've done actually really well with like um, return on investment. Yeah, that's cool. Because we're very video heavy. So, um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's funny, all that stuff, eh? But again, it's half the fun with marketing. You sort of at the start, you throw spaghetti on the wall and see what your best return on investment is and <laughs> double down and then the generations change and stuff changes and you're going to change all over again. I, I feel sorry for some marketing companies where some companies will hire them and they don't realize how much goes into marketing. Yeah. Like marketing is legitimately, I say at work, it's over 50% of our business. Mm. Because <laughs> yeah, brand, definitely. referral, everything. It's... um. You know, if, if you're better at the other guy at getting a client in, you're the one that's going to survive, not the next guy. Yeah. Yeah, marketing's huge. I mean, and, and you look at some of the best brands in the world, or the most famous, they're, yeah. the, they're the ones that are the best marketers. And yeah. they're also probably ones where the CEO or the, the board have a great affinity and appreciation for marketing and advertising. Yes. You know, I talk, like yes. a lot of our, um, you know, one of the questions we ask obviously is, you know, favorite brand and why? And one brand that sticks out a lot of the time is Nike. I read an interview recently yeah. with, um, it wasn't a recent interview actually, Phil Knight was interviewed, he's the guy who started Nike, and yeah, he was interviewed by the yeah. Harvard Business Review in, in 91. And they said, are you a product company or are you a marketing company? And he said, we started out as a product company, we were really focused on making the best you know, running shoes and we did the waffle sole and yeah. that sort of thing. And he said, but to be, to be honest, in the last sort of, this is 91, so in the last 10 years, We've just become a marketing company. We've, we've just used yeah. storytelling. We've just found athletes to tell the great stories of sport and, and be there, yeah. you know, through these and amazing link moments. the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Dude, Nike is so, just a, a marketing so beast. Like, they're incredible. 
I love it. Uh, there's a guy called um, Josh Shipp who um, is probably the number one speaker, well, most booked or requested speaker in the whole of America. And, you know, this guy, um, he spoke at this big school event, which was like 200,000 students, and I think he made quarter million dollars that one night. Like, he's done very well. Yeah, well. And he said on one of his things, he does this thing called You Speaker University. So if you're a speaker that wants to become a You Speaker, You Speaker University is just a great thing. Uh, maybe email Josh and sat, tell him that I'm shouting him out. But um, <laughs> he was like a bit of my hero. Well, two, two quotes that changed my life. One was he said back in the day, he said, um, it wasn't so much a quote, but it was a story. He said when he was growing up, he wanted to buy and pay off a house, but he wanted to buy and pay off the house through a passion. He wanted to be able to look at his home and say, you know, that million dollar home, that was 10,000 talks. That's cool. And he wanted to link, he wanted to link that. And that really, like, it changed me. Like, I'm sitting in a beach house in, um, in Auckland, New Zealand, overlooking Rangitoto, and I feel that because I'm like, this was X amount of talks that I did. Yeah. But the other thing he said was, he goes, the key to speaking is not being the best speaker. He said, I'm actually not the best speaker, you speaker in America. And just like me, he said, I can probably count 10 other people that are better than me. But he said, I'm a 7 out of 10 speaker and a 10 out of 10 marketer. <laughs> Man. When he said that, that changed my whole paradigm because yeah. I was giving up free talks. Like literally I'd fly down to Wellington and speak at a school for free just so I could film it. I'd do $50 talks. Like there was a bunch of talks that I'd have to drive down to back in the day. I had money in the bank account, but I wanted to, you know, give myself the challenge of starting this company that actually made money without putting any money on it. But I was doing like $50 talks all over the show in New Zealand. And, um, after a while, I just started really realizing, like, man, it's actually, there's a whole other skill set I didn't think you actually had to have to be a good speaker. You have to be good at a website. You have to have a good promo video. You have to know where your audience is, how mm -hmm. to contact them, how to get into the school magazines. You have to get into, like, the Generation Next conferences and the psychology conferences, the doctor and, um, you know, the personal development conferences. You have to speak in front of your key audience. Yeah. So there's all those little things that you just go, no one tells you. People just think, you just need me a good speaker. I'm like, I would say exactly like Josh Shipp these days and go, actually, there's people like Glenn Garan and a couple of other guys out there um, that you could hire that I actually think are better speakers. Like, you know, the guys gone to the Olympics and done all these extreme things. But you go, I'm better at marketing. Yeah. <laughs> so case in point, promo video. Um, I went on, all, I asked these principals and got to know them really well and did a whole bunch of free talks with them. And I said to them, um, when they started paying, I said, hey, what's some objectives um, what's some big things that were came into your mind that freaked you out a little bit when you were hiring me? And one said, oh, I was really concerned whether or not the kids were going to think you're funny because it's one of the biggest things with kids is are you funny? Are you entertaining? Another principal said, oh, I was really concerned about the price because some guys are charging like so much money. There's just, you know, you, you don't have the budget for it. Another principal said, oh, I'm really concerned because I loved you the first time, but I was really concerned that your next talk was going to be exactly the same and the teachers have to stick through it. You know, the mm. teachers have to be in the background. They have to hear the stuff and they get complaints. And so often the teachers will leave because they've heard the same presentation 10 times in a year. <laughs> and so I wrote these things down. And even to this day, if you jump on my website, joinshan.com, you play the promo video. All I've done was I walked up to principals after speaking. I'm giving away like a massive trade secret now, by the way. <laughs> but I walk up to principals and say, hey, you know how your objective was finances? Here you go, yeah. I go, would you mind saying something about how I handled that? And so, you know, you got the, one of the biggest schools in Australia. The guy goes, you know what? Before I hired Johnny, I was a little bit concerned about the price. But, oh, my goodness, he's the best investment we've ever had at the school. We get him back three times a year. And then it goes into the next one. So I'm not even saying what the objectives are. They're just handling the objectives of the viewer. 
the next person says, you know what, before we got Johnny on board, we had a couple of speakers that the kids were just sleeping throughout. You know what, he came in, bam, first on stage, these kids are bursting out laughing. It was the best time. Next teacher comes on board. You know, and they're just ha- they're handling those objectives. So That's I think so it's good. the same with any marketing, is that you go, who's my target audience? Where are they? Where's their attention? What's the action I want them to take? And what's a speed bump that I can handle? What's an objective that they would think immediately? Why wouldn't I hire this guy? Mm. Well, nine times out of 10, these schools have had, you know, bad speakers before. They never want to do that again. So you've got to handle it really quickly. You've got to think who's someone they would like. Okay, largest school in Australia. And the principal saying, you know what? We've had some bad speakers. If you're anything like me, you've had some bad speakers. Yeah. But I've got to tell you, he's one of the good ones. And immediately you get these schools just coming through. That's awesome. But handing you objections buy that. Day, you it's something you learn in sales. Business. Just exactly, exactly. Sit down, sit down yeah. and ask your previous customers, hey, what were, when you were buying our yep. services or when you were considering our services, what were the things that you wanted to make sure of? Honestly, you, you do not need to. I think you could do 10 times less personality and literally almost methodical ads mm. and put, you know, 100 bucks on one and 100 bucks on other, throw on a couple of different social media sites. And I'll guarantee you right now, if you handle objections properly, like, hey, clearly identify the problem clearly identify the solution and then clearly identify how you have a unique solution to it. You know, Hey, do you have bullying in your school? Well, statistically you probably do. Did you realize there's this thing called bully side? There are people, literally kids like, and this is sad, but there's kids literally taking their life because they get bullied. Did you know that statistically most of the government um, solutions they're put into school have not worked in some cases they've actually gotten even worse did you know, in other words, you're saying what the problem is, what the current mm. solution is, hey, it's not working. Then you say your solution. Hey, did you know that I actually worked with Cognition and some of the largest psychological firms all around New Zealand and Australia, and we found out a solution that statistically actually not only helps stop bullying, but helps people actually become friends with people that are really difficult to be friends with. And some mm. of it's actually really basic. And it only takes an hour in front of an audience. Here's some testimonies. In other words, you don't need to be flashy, but if you can go, these are the common objectives someone has. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, what, what would be some, I know I'm probably going to put you on the spot now, but what would be some objectives that you would have with like marketing people hiring? Uh, if someone was looking for a branding agency, you might say I was yeah. worried about price or I was worried that they would want yes. to change my business. Um, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm sure. worried, I'm worried that they'll, yeah, I'm worried they'll want to change my business. I'm worried it will take, take a really long time. I'm worried that I will lose some of the things that make us unique. You know, if someone's going yes. through a rebrand, they might be afraid that, hey, we're going to change you know, you were known for your blue colors and we're going to make you red or we're going to make you pink or something like that. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it, it, it's a, it's, you know, I put me on the spot cause it's probably something that we don't, you know, we have considered a little bit, but we haven't really gone through the exercise properly. And it's, it's a, I think a really good exercise. Oh mate, you've answered that amazingly to be honest. Even as you're saying it, I started to feel the emotions come up inside of me. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's actually what I, I, I went through. Um, I, my website used to be big and red and it was because um, Vodafone back in the day used to sponsor some of my talks, um, which was awesome of them. Um, up and down New Zealand, they sponsored talks. And um, so when I came to Australia, they stopped sponsoring those talks. And then I did some brand research and found out blue is a bit more of a trustworthy color. I'm doing a lot yeah. of cyber safety stuff. Maybe I should change the blue. Um, but all those things you just said there, that's all the stuff I was going through. I was like, man, everyone knows me as that red thing. I literally went on shark tank and one of the judges literally said she saw my video on YouTube. She's like, you're the speaker guy. I saw you flying all around. And it was like a big red website. I was like, yeah, it's, it's blue now. <laughs> like I, it was a very personal thing. Cause I, I felt like I'd built a brand and then changed it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm glad I went through it. But all those things you were saying, like I was freaked out about that. I was freaked out about like, do you hire somebody? Do you do it yourself? Yeah. I ended up doing A-B testing. And to be honest, I regret doing it because I think I spent so much money on A-B testing that I should have just, you know, you, you do Got the it. best you can. You research yeah. it. I think this is a good idea. And you do it. And funnily enough, I actually got a um, a, a lot more business from it because one, it, it's a lot more simple website and it's a lot more easy to navigate. But to the, the blue thing, it's massive. It's I think if anyone's going through a rebrand, the sooner you can do it, the better. <laughs> if you if you know if you're really thinking about it, yeah. Because there's some fundamentals that if you go, I'm making this decision based on fundamental psychology. You mm. can't really go wrong, can you? Mm. Yeah. You know, I it's mean, like um, color is an, yeah. an amazing an amazing thing. Um, yeah, we, we used to work with a retailer, a uh, huge one over here at my previous agency and um, or where I previously worked, and they had yellow and their stores were yellow. And yellow is a color of, uh, yes, it's fun and, and playful, deals. but it's also um, yes. curiosity, but it's also like uncertainty. Uh, and it's not a comforting yes. color like to see a lot of. So if you're, in a, if you're in a buying environment where there's lots of bright yellow, like it wasn't calming to the, <laughs> to the shoppers. And it was yes. funny that they, they chose that. And, um, you know, they were really... And I don't think they'd ever really considered it. Um, you know, red's a great color for, for action, but it's also, it, it, you know, increases appetite. So you have lots of fast food companies use red in their branding yes. because it's, you know, it's good. Yes. It makes you hungry. Um, you know, yeah. blue, blue is very trustworthy. Like you said, it's great for corporate brands. It's great for, um, I mean, blue is probably the world's most favorite color. Um, yeah. We see a lot of it. It's quite calming sometimes. But um, you wouldn't use it for fresh food because blue is obviously not found in fresh food often, except for blueberries. Yes. <laughs> Mate, so, I, I love that. Yeah. So color, color psychology is fun. And then like we did a brand recently and it was, um, it was for a company called Barron Energy and they, they turned cactus uh, into biogas. Um, so they, they harvest cactus from the desert and, and turn it into energy. Um, so renewable yeah. energy, which is amazing. Oh, wow. But we were pitching it to this team of engineers and half of them based in South Africa, a few are based in Australia. And we, and we put it up on the thing and it's, it's pink. And they're like, it's pink. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, why is it pink? I'm like, because you guys are radically different and no other mining nice. and energy company is pink. Um, yes. And, and that, it took them ages to get through it. But, but we were saying like, guys, like you want to be different. You want to be seen as like, this is a very cutting edge, completely different thing. You don't want to be, yeah. you don't want to be green. You don't want to be, you know, green is, green is safe because it's energy, you know, sustainability. It's, um, you know, it's green yeah. energy sort of thing. Like we need you guys to be radically different. So color is a great statement piece. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, I love the, again, the fundamentals. If you've got logical and rational reasons behind it and you're going, Hey, fundamentals 101 marketing is standing out from the crowd mm. if you're green and you got 50 other like logos that are all green and you're the one pink one at a, you know i'm thinking about an ag tech conference yeah. um post harvest we do a green um leaf but then when it shows us and convicting me now because when it shows <laughs> i'm speaking at this big ag tech conference it shows all the logos but everyone <laughs> is green blue or white yeah because <laughs> it's either yeah. the sky and water or it's that yeah like you say if you had a big pink one i'm sure you'd stand out yeah. And, 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 but it's yeah, also walking like a fine line of like, you know, some people, some people will jump onto those things and go, Oh cool. I'll just be radically different. Like I had an accountant, uh, I did a brand for, he's actually my accountant and he wanted to be, um, he was rebranding and he's going from, you know, a very, very straight, you know, it was his name, basically last name as an accountancy practice. He's like, I want to be pink pig accounting. 
I'm like, mate, why do you want to be Pink Pig Accounting? And he's like, because people will remember that. And, you know, it's different. And, um, and I was like, I think it was, either, it was either Pink Pig Accounting or Accounting Pig. Yeah. And he was going to have a yeah. little mascot and it was going to be quite, you know, fun and jovial. I was like, Dave, you are the most conservative person I've ever met. And you're going to be constantly <laughs> apologizing for this kooky out there brand, you know, like wacky brand. Yeah. You're never going to be able yeah. to stand up in a room at a networking event and proudly talk about yourself because it's just not part of your personality. And, and like, I'm that, just, you're not managing expectation, are you? Yeah. If, yeah. If your like, brand not, is one thing and you as a person aren't that. Yeah. yeah good luck. Yeah. So, so we went to something a little bit more conservative and he absolutely loves it. And he, he still sort of brings it up with me today. He's like, I'm so glad you talked me out of that. He's like, I never would have been, <laughs> able, to, I never would have been able to live up to it. Um, and I'm like, if you're going to do something like that, like you, you've got to back it up. Like it, it it's harder. It's yeah. like way more work, but but then it is remarkable because it's, it's, you know, something you talk about, but again, it has to be done really well. That's it. Man, I, I, I love that. And it's funny you talk about even the pink thing before, because my mate, um, Paul Davies, he owns like a, a branch of childcare centers, but he also runs a company called um, Pink Builders in New Zealand. Mm. But that was his big thing of like all the, all the bands are pink. Yeah. But um, huge marketing from it. Cause he, um, you know, pink, he did a partnership with like pink bats and like, um, because it rains a lot in New Zealand, you have to have weather materials all over it. So it'd be huge pink things. But it's funny because you can see these houses, the construction, and it'll go up and there's these huge pink things. And you're just like, oh, yeah, it's pink, pink construction or pink yeah, builders are doing cool. that. It's yeah. genius. And I love it because it takes away he, his big rationale behind it. And can come back to rationale was um, he felt that he'd been in the, the league industry and some of these quite serious companies. He said people um, often are very hesitant to call builders up because they're very staunch people and mm. very construction type. He said he felt that it actually lowered the guard of a lot of people for basic renovations. Yeah. But again, yeah. when you understand the rationale, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense, which I love yeah. about marketing because yeah. some people can do some crazy things. But like you say, you break it down and you're like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I love it. But I'm conscious of time and I'm very grateful for, yeah, your time today. I've learned so much. But I, I want to wrap up with a few personal questions. And um, so just to wrap up, what do you do outside of work as a bit of an escape? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a lot. Um, I, look, I, I, it's a blessing and a curse, but I actually just love work. Um, I, I have um, enough to not have to work, but I've got that situation where I'm like, I live um, 100 meters from my work in a building literally across the road down in Piermont, Sydney. I live in the building across the road from it, and even the weekends I go in. So it's only because of my um, – it's only because my wife that I actually get out and socialize a little bit. So she's pretty good at just doing the basics of going down to the beach and, and reading books. But my mind's always on. Um, mm. That aside, I, I've been into motorbikes for a long, long time. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't think she's too happy. So I just had to sell that recently. <laughs> so not, but Sorry, I'll, I'll go on this for just one minute. Yeah. I, I'm lucky enough to do things like Gamify where a lot of the stuff we do is very fun. Like um, – mm. We did this Instagram thing when I went to Israel and I wanted to go on this big trip with um, my family and we all got together and we did it. But I had this, our mascot, which is like this little robot that I carried around on this complete world tour. And like, you know, he was floating in the Dead Sea and going to visit all these different like churches and synagogues and all these old historical places. And so it was quite fun because you can do a lot of these things and have fun with the brand. We hired hot air balloons and we've done ridiculous stuff where we've had like limousines and like the name along, you know, we've got these magnets of gamify and put them along. 
these um, limousines, but on social media, but there's a lot of stuff that you do that you go, I'm at a stage where because it's a fun brand, I can literally go, I want to go race some motorbikes. I'm going to try to make it a business expense. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, one, you get your tax back, two, you can do it in company time. And, yeah. and you just have some fun with it. So that's how Catchphrase yeah. has fun with it. So I'm that. very lucky to the extent that um, I, I, I pretty much don't, <laughs> I don't do really anything <laughs> under my, under a personal extent. I'll, I'll figure out some business angle to, to, uh, yeah, to do that stuff. But I'm very lucky because as it's like Josh Ship said back in the day, um, there's key successes, finding out something. Um, if you had all the money in the world, finding out something you'd do for free and then you do it so well that you get paid for it. And so, so sometimes I look at people that do jobs they don't like, you know, over 70% of Australians, according to the national consensus, said they don't like their job. I look at people that don't like their job, Monday to Friday, live for the weekend. And for me, I'm like, man, on the weekend, I often, I always spend six, seven days of work, um, day a week at the office because you're making it fun. You're trying to figure mm. out how do you have fun with this company and really make it work. And I understand that people need a break and all the rest of it, but I feel like my mind's almost not wired that way. I'm like, you can actually have fun with your company. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so you're probably finding your mind just doesn't stop anyway. So why bother trying? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I often think like it's just about trying to focus that effort because it's, yeah, you often, you often come up with an idea and you're like, oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool to do that. And then like, hang on. Let's just, are we, you know, is the current business running at a hundred percent? Like, is, <laughs> yeah, it, is, no, it's it, true. <laughs> is it, is it ready to park and, and, and have someone take a step into that role? It's like, no, we'll carry yeah. on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. I mean, yeah. we, we did one the other day where, um, we, we tried these different things, but we, we sent this lady a gift, but I asked the courier to give it to her at the specific time. I said, please arrive 10 minutes early or talk to the receptionist and walk into her office at exactly this time. And so when we're talking to this marketing company, over Skype, as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, hey, and um, by the way, happy birthday. I've got something for you. And she turned around, the courier gave her a present. Oh, wow. And is that really like breaking the COVID sort of wall we've got at the moment where you can't see someone in person? That's cool. But like little things like that, I know it sounds really dumb, but like I actually get a lot of juice and energy from that stuff. I'd rather pay 50 bucks for that than, I don't know, like, you know, go down and play rugby or do something else with my spare time, which is probably more healthy for me. I just get more juice out of, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Mate, you must so, have a great courier company because I've had nothing but terrible <laughs> yeah. experiences with most couriers. Oh, oh mate, we, we, we used to do these um, video cards. And so we'd send clients these video cards. Um, there's a real great company. It's called You Via Us. Um, so you, like you, via VIA and then US. So it's yeah. and .com. And they do these video cards. And we did hundreds of them personalized. And they're like, you know those old cards that you open them up and they play a song? mm these ones would you open up and it was a slimline video. So it's a play a video of one of us doing a pitch. And um, cool. so we personalize them. So they're magnetic. So you open them up and it will be like, hi, Dan, it's Johnny here. I'm um, just wanted to say a big hello. And it was real freaky. <laughs> like it was really cool. We got a lot of good feedback. However, the courier companies, because there were batteries in them, every second one didn't get delivered because of security risks. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So we spent crazy amounts of money. Um, look, UVA, us, awesome company. If you're in America, that's great. But New Zealand and Australia, um, they're a little bit dodgy. So there were just so many companies would call up and go, did you get our gift? They're like, no, I never arrived. Oh, and no. um, yeah, bit of waste of money. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's cool. That's a, yeah. It's a good lesson, good learning. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, mate, so thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I've had such a good time chatting with you. But just to wrap right, up, 
Um, yeah. you, you chew through a lot of audiobooks and you've mentioned Atomic Habits, but are there any others that you'd yeah. like to mention that have had a big influence on your life? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, Traction, the, the book Traction. Yes. That, that's Gino really, really great. Something. Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. You know it? Yeah, I'm, I'm um, working through it. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's an immersive it's experience. Slog. You can't, you can't just, yeah. you can't just sort of listen to it in your car and, and you're done. Nah, like you've got nah, to work gotta, through the exercises. So yeah. Yeah. So I do this thing in the morning where just to get my body moving in China, I'm trying to have less coffee. So I get up quite early, usually about 5.30 AM and just go for a walk and listen to audiobooks, the jog, the mm. brain. But, um, that particular book, you have to have your phone out with notes ready to go because yeah. every chapter is basically like, now go do this, now go do this. But his number situation, the key takeaway, everyone having a number mm. is just, it's helped me out so much as a CEO because I run four companies and um, every single person in our organization has a number. So, you know, you will, I'll walk up to someone and I know that their job is a hundred personalized videos a day and yeah. you have to do a whole bunch of other admin and a whole bunch of other stuff over and above that. But if I walk into the office and I see one of the guys will be like, hey, how you doing? It's halfway through the day. What are your numbers like? And there'll be like 60, I immediately know he's doing really well. Like it's halfway mm. through the day, he's at 60%. And so everyone having a number, um, he talks about in the book, the his own receptionist, her number was two. So she was only allowed to let the phone ring twice before picking it up. And there's just fantastic, really basic key concepts in there that for me at the moment, I'm traveling around doing some filming with these different, um, you know, like the Netflix sort of thing. I'm away from the office, but my general manager will send me a sheet and it has everyone's number on it. And That's man, so I, I honestly wish I did that 10 years ago because I used to have weekly and monthly catch-ups with people and you have to sort of scour through and try to figure it out. And yeah, it's complicated, but if you're running a company, having yourself in a number, like I used to hunt a course a day and other people in a number, depending on what their job is, it, the hardest thing is figuring out what the biggest thing is. Mm. But once you figure that out, oh, yeah, Love that. it makes you feel like you can start 100 more companies. Love that. But yeah, that, 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 that book, yeah, Traction, awesome. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. Um, I read that every year. Just yeah, um, I'm going to check that out. Just, oh, did you not read it? No. Mate. Oh, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I'm about to say I'll send you one, but if you're already a book, listen, just download it. Yeah. Yeah, How to Win Friends and Influence People and um, Think and Grow Rich. Those are the two books I read every single year without a doubt. I think um, How to Win Friends, I think of audio book-wise, I think I've gone through about 30 times. Wow. I just have it on repeat in my car. It's, um, yeah, one of the wealthiest guys of human history, literally talking about how to get business, um, the, key, the key to speaking, the key to sales, the key to marketing, human psychology, um, and then um, Think and Grow Rich. He, he mocks, on the first chapter, he actually mocks the saying, Think and Grow Rich. It's about, he's like, it's not about getting rich, but, you know, he sells more books this way. But it's really about mindset, taking responsibility, you know, taking a hundred percent responsibility for every single area of your life, not giving any responsibility to others. Um, it's, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Fantastic book. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, <laughs> uh, like, I'll, I'll honestly, get them in comparison, Don't even touch. Yeah. Don't even touch traction in comparison to those two books. Okay. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's thought broken. That would change your life. I think more Tony Robbins, the big motivational speaker, accredits half his career to those two books. Wow. You've, yeah. uh, you've inspired me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them into my audible, audible downloads now. Yes, um, seriously. Mate, in closing, who is someone remarkable yeah. in branding, marketing, or design that you know that we should speak to? Oh, fantastic. Oh, mate, I don't know if, if you'll be able to um, get him. There's a, a guy called Graham Stevens. He's a YouTuber. 
and he does um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of names because I don't know if you're about to get through to him but probably one of the best marketers that I know of when it comes to 2.5 million followers on YouTube uh, does property stuff but literally walks you through his day-to-day life and he got you know like those real sort of extreme online entrepreneurs like you know um, some guy called oh, there's just a bunch of them they're, they're very flaunty with their money and like you know hey here's my big house and my cars yeah. and the yeah. girls and everything he's like the complete opposite like the guy's loaded um, he lives in this little unit like you know, not little unit like nice unit but he teaches people how to do finances properly, how to save properly, mindset, talks about, you know, not living like a millionaire, like this generation lives like millionaires, even though they don't make hardly anything, spending all their money on coffee and clothes. And honestly, everything he says, I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. You know, people going out five, six nights a week. And I'm like, man, I've got money. And these other people live like millionaires and I don't. <laughs> but that, just, just certain things like, hey, I don't buy coffee when I'm out. I just get instant. It's just little things that you go, I... Yeah, the guy's just a legend and he's so good at marketing. It's because, how would you say, he's figured out the 21st century marketing is 100% trust. And mm-hmm. so he's very open about his faults and just everything. And he's not trying to be anything that he's not. So um, <laughs> if you, yeah, massive there. And the other lady would be um, Naomi from, um, which I might be able to get in contact with, from, oh, Red yeah, Blue, that'd be from, awesome. Shark, from Shark Tank. Yeah. Oh man, she is <laughs> such a lovely transparent literally giving lady like you talk to her and i was like hey why'd you start shark tank and you know she's got all the money she doesn't need to do any of this stuff she literally is like honestly johnny i don't say this on tv i want to be an inspiration for young girls to get into business and i'll do anything it takes and you just like her whole heart and the way she talks to you during meetings it's just like yeah she's just a beautiful lady inside out that's cool yeah i'd love to speak to both yeah. of them um yeah yeah brilliant and, and what's your favorite quote or the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ooh, best piece of advice? Um, ha- yeah, probably just <laughs> best piece of advice. Have a clear vision of your yeah. life. Um, I've got a vision board in my room and I update it every single year. When I was 18 years old, I wrote down that I wanted to start a billion dollar company with friends and family. And um, four years later, that happened. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where um, God and the universe, I just, I, I believe it, man. I honestly mm. believe that you're a manifestation of your deepest desires and that um, like a horse, if you can put the blinkers on, honestly, I teach this at schools with anxiety and depression and stuff. We naturally focus towards the negative. We naturally mm. focus towards things that aren't right. We naturally have gravity that naturally pushes us down. Every one of us needs to listen to motivational stuff. Every one of us needs to lift your spirit. Everyone needs to focus on what they want, not what they don't want. Mm. And I literally, at um, my counselor got me aside and very early on, I got a vision board out. I wrote down I wanted to be in the police and the military. I wrote down that I, wanted, I had all these pictures of working at Vodafone, starting stores, becoming a broker, getting into property, doing charities. I wrote down um, five years before Putface even started, I wrote down percentage banking and I had an app idea that I wanted to do with banking and stuff. And it's, it's just crazy when you have a life statement. My life statement for nearly 10 years was start a billion dollar company with friends and family. And to this day, it's, it's changed a little bit, but it's pretty much the same thing. And it's what I'm doing with some of these other companies, which is um, start multiple companies with long-term friends and family um, that are close by and build a family network of X, Y, Z. And I won't say the number because it's ridiculous. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's like that thing we said before when, you know, maybe you want to buy a Tesla and suddenly you see Teslas everywhere. 
Mm-hmm. Your mind is such a powerful subconscious machine. It's like um, 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 Edison used to say, he said, before you go to sleep, do yourself a favor and ask your subconscious a question. And he said, you'll wake up with a thousand ideas. So he used to go to sleep and ask himself, what's the next best idea in the world? Mm-hmm. And he'd ask himself this open-ended question and not give himself a response. And he said his subconscious would constantly come up with it. So we're constantly saying, like, how do we work with some of the biggest companies in the world? And um, I might have told you this before, but we end up actually end up doing a contract and doing some a little bit of work with a Ramco, which is um, <laughs> Saudi Arabia Ramco oil, which is literally about I think it's twice the size of um, Apple. It's the, wow. it's the largest. Um, I, don't, I don't think they're public, but they're the largest yeah. company in the world. But it starts with that mindset of like, yeah. man, ask yourself those questions. How do I meet the love of my life? How do I become fit as if and really stoked with my energy levels? How do I meet great people? How do I create a book? Like you know. How do I make even $10 million? I mean, you've got to say something that's powerful. It's like Tony Robbins mm. says, you know, small goals have no power to move men's blood. Yeah. But um, I'd, I'd say that, have a vision. I'd say the second one would be um, treat people the way they are and you'll make them worse. Treat people the way they should be and you'll make them what they could be. Uh, that's a John Maxwell saying, and that's the thing I, I think as a boss, is I let a lot of things slide as long as people um, – you, you usually see better results – if you treat people like they're all brilliant because <laughs> mm. they usually lift up to it, yeah. then what I used to do is the second someone does something wrong, I'd jump on them yeah. and I'd be like, no, you need to do this right and this right. And I've found the book traction, having numbers and treating people like they're a million bucks. And honestly, as the boss, I actually see a lot more than what my guys think I see, but I let a lot of things slide because I want them to think I think they're you know, a, a million dollar employee. And often what happens is they actually do become that they, um, you allow them, you allow them to have an identity that they move towards. I love that. I think that's some fantastic advice. Um, mate, finally. So Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time. I've, I've learned so much and yeah, I've just had a great time, but, um, where can people learn more about you? Uh, me personally, just johnnyshan.com. Just, you know, has a little bit of my story there and a bit of video and stuff of, marketingcampfire.com and my big passion at the moment is um, postharvest.com which is just free e-learning and tools to help people reduce their carbon footprint awesome well mate thank you thank you very much and uh, yeah, I'm excited to share this episode mate thank you thanks for the time and thanks for your hustle it's great thanks for listening to this episode of DSR Branding Presents to learn more about the guests or the things discussed head to our website dsrb.com.au slash podcast If you enjoyed it, please let me know and spread the word by sharing it with a friend. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. DSR Branding exists to inspire people to love what their work represents. I hope that this episode has inspired you to think differently.